0: To claim your free welcome bonus, that's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DGW Void prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna.
1: Acast is home to the world's best podcasts,
2: including The David McWilliams Podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome, welcome everyone to the London Mud Podcast, the podcast that thinks that the Six Nations doesn't really know what the word super means.
3: No, I mean, pooper was my suggestion on Saturday. It's an yeah. obvious one, but I'll allow it's, it. Yeah, I, I'm going for the low-hanging fruit, mate. Don't expect <laughs> high-level I mean, to. you know,
2: 216 episodes in. Yeah. You know, there's only so many zingers <laughs> to go around. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I will absolutely will recycle my Twitter jokes as well because fucking oh, hell, I can't I can't just spin you people gold on Twitter and on podcasts. You've got to accept this.
2: I've a uh, oh, I've plagiarised myself so much. Absolutely, I had a t- I had like an eleven year blog archive. I could just go. I'm sure I wrote something about this and just do like a term search. I'll just copy that entire paragraph. <laughs>
3: People don't understand that. People are seeing behind the curtain here of how unfunny we really are. (laughs) Or how lazy we are. Put it that way.
2: I mean, we're still fucking unbelievably funny. Points of order. It's just that there's
1: a...
3: Just we're lazy with it. Just lazy with it, yeah.
2: Yeah. There's only so much you can do. It's hard being funny.
3: It is. It is. As a lot of people in the rugby world demonstrate on a near daily basis. As the Pro
2: 14 account demonstrates regularly.
3: Jesus Christ. They should stop.
2: Bless them! They really—you can, as I said, you can almost they're smell really, off the screen how
3: much, how hard they're trying. They're really trying so hard. Uh, whatever that fucking monster thing was the other day—that was—it's all voiceover Was it over a Monsters stuff? Inc. thing? That was it. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't it called Twenty Three Nineteen. Inc. Yeah, Monsters Inc. And it was just it was just a a shit joke. Totally unrelated clip. Bad Photoshop. Put those three things together. A joke. Maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i old. Maybe it's me that doesn't get it.
2: I don't think it could be you that's miserable, Josh. Neither oh, me or you sure. can be miserable about these things. <laughs> they must be funny.
3: I just like it to be actually funny. That's all I want. There's a Bristol lot of funny Bears people on Twitter. The Bristol Barbarians, Bears. lads, have a lot to yeah. answer for, haven't they? Yeah. But that's the, they let those guys do it and be funny with it. Because clearly they are funny people in their employ.
2: When you go for an interview for those things, do they let you like give you a video and say make something funny out of this?
3: I mean, I wish they had. I mean, they should do,
2: shouldn't they? Because that's what they have to do. Yeah, you know, just happened. Say something funny about it.
3: I think the reality is that they probably hired people with you know experience slash qualifications in social media, and I'm sure they're very good at their jobs. But it was probably doing sort of comms for you know a charity or you know, a a, you know, a fucking Duke of Edinburgh thing or something, you know, it's like they're not, being funny on the internet is not the same as being a social media person and there's an awful lot of social media people who are being made to be funny on the internet in the rugby world at the moment and I well, feel so for them a great deal. Yes, they're doing their do. best.
2: Yeah. As we
3: are. Well.
2: I, doing my best here, I am Lee <laughs> who's continued I mean.
3: to do my best and
2: over there, Always doing his best.
3: I mean, most of the time, yeah. Josh, just about.
2: So, Six Nations weekend, Supersonic, Super Saturday. I was all awesome. pumped. up. I mean, I was working, so I had to like pump. And I was genuinely quite pumped. I thought it should be great, this. Right through awesome. till 10 o'clock tonight because I did the first game yeah. for the Guardian. Then I had a break in the middle and I did the final game. I thought, I've got the great part of this. Mm. After watching England wallop in Italy in the middle and try and copy and paste try England 87 times. I thought that's be good. But it was um uh, wasn't
3: shit, heavy, was it? it was a it was probably the every single game and we'll I mean we'll get to this we'll later, to but all three games had mega probables v possibles vibes.
2: <laughs> I've done my, uh, all right, we'll get to that later on. Yeah. You um the so did you do anything else apart from be disappointed by the rugby this weekend?
3: Uh glossed some doors and skirting boards. I was more interested in some of the rugby I watched, if I'm honest. Quite literally watching paint dry.
2: More fun. I I got very frustrated the weekend because my wife was shopping. Mm. And she came back and she brought back with her um, crisps, Mm -hmm. which is not disappointing. No,
3: absolutely not. Until
2: you realise it was vegetable crisps.
3: Oh, see.
2: So I wanted to ask you what your position is on the vegetable crisp.
3: Why? What's the fucking point?
2: Sweet potato, parsnip, beetroot.
3: I just don't, believe that they're that much better for you than just good old-fashioned potato crisp but they're still deep fried aren't they exactly and i feel the same and equally baked crisps you can tell me that they're yeah, better for me, that. but fuck off are they they're still covered in fucking salt and
2: plate. it's another hideous middle class thing isn't it and you know yeah. it's a hideous middle class thing oh yeah because only the fucking posh brands make vegetable crisps don't they it's yeah. your Tyrrells of this world.
3: Absolutely. Or it's there's your no, Waitrose Zone. Or your m Zone. There's no zone.
2: fucking Golden Wonder salted <laughs> parsnip
3: crisps, is there? They don't do Spar's own brand yeah. parsnip crisps. They don't do they Sweet Potato
2: Space Raiders.
3: No. Although I'd try them. <laughs> I, think...
2: I would, yeah. Because I'm such a chippy bastard. I would probably eat those and pretend <laughs> they were nice, just to make a point.
3: See, I think when you're dealing with a sort of popped crisp scenario... In a sort of space Raider-y kind of vibe. I don't think it matters what the fundamental vegetable <laughs> that you're making it from. You know, it's so. It's sti- all been it-
2: turned to powder and stuck together with gum. That exactly. That,
3: it doesn't yeah. matter if that's sweet potato or, or fucking swede or fucking car tire. It'll probably taste <laughs> the same as long as you put enough fucking flavouring on it. It tastes fine. I'll tell you what, I've decided I don't like. Have you seen that they've tried- they've done those hula hoops? That are not really hula hoops now. now. Imagine if a hula hoop was a disco, effectively. So they've they've inflated a flat, round hula hoop. Well, in this, in sort of the in the way that discos are that sort of like inflated crisp kind of vibe. It's like that, but with a hula hoop. I think they called hula hoop popped or something. They are like oh, okay, and it's going for the healthy thing. But honestly, it just tastes like polystyrene. It's just someone's taken a perfectly good hula hoop and made it out of polystyrene, and I'm not here for it. It's like rice, rice cakes. Yeah, which are only edible if you cover them in chocolate.
2: Yeah, well we, and when you eat them, you sound like you're eating insulation. As I discovered, <laughs> and it feels like you are. As I discovered, when my kids were very small and we went to church, and oh. to keep them occupied, I passed them some rice, some rice cakes. And they were going, buddy, eat this, buddy," and he was like, "He's like."
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, through him with cannot... him and in him <laughs> <laughs> I mean you can't there's no way to quietly eat a crisp unless you do that weird thing where you leave the crisp in your mouth for so long that it effectively disintegrates
2: you but... don't think I, there's one thing I can't get on with as well with my wife who I love dearly mm. but I, I can't get, I've had to put this aside because I love her so much this is an insidious in health thing
3: mm. she's
2: a crisp liquor
3: oh what the fuck is wrong with people <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and actually, and, and and it makes your tongue really fucking sore on a practical yeah, level. Have you got yeah, yeah. salt and vinegar crisps, which you're which you're double side licking each time you put it in your gum.
3: Some, I mean, it just shows really the the, the great fucking because we're on lockdown, of course. All the coast, the oh, this is widening us even say, more. I was say, <laughs> but it just you know, the, the the whole breadth of human fucking experience is in this podcast. There's <laughs> crisplickers, lickers, There's normal people. There's everyone in between.
2: Which rugby players would be double crisp lickers in
3: your... <laughs> Toby Flood strikes me as a double crisp licker. I don't know why, but he absolutely does.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Tompkins strikes as a double crisp oh,
3: licker. Oh, 100%. I bet he eats things in really weird, There's chaotic ways. There's no reason ways. to know why, no, but because... you know it's absolutely No, no, right. I tell you why it is, because everything he does has chaotic energy, and so it stands to reason that his eating habits are equally chaotic in that he just does weird. He's one of those people that kind of, you know, eats tiny little bits of things, you know, like when people like nibble at stuff instead of just eating it like a normal person, like you'll have three bites of a crisp instead of just eating a crisp. He's that kind of guy.
2: (laughs) Ben Smith doesn't like crisps and doesn't eat any other flavor but plain. Oh, yeah, ready salted man through and through. And he, won't, and, and he finds grab bags upsetting. He has to get yes, normal size ones.
3: Yeah. Well, what he'll do is he'll buy the, si- he'll buy the six pack of supermarket-owned brand ready salted crisps and then he'll bring them with him. So much cheaper. Than- tastes exactly, exactly the same. Exactly. much so exactly. cheaper. You know, he's just being sensible with it. Yeah. He brings a pack lunch. To
2: training. Yeah. With
3: 100%. The 100%.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there you go. Let the word go forth from here. We will not tolerate it. Yeah. So any sponsors from Tyrells keep moving yeah. on? Because obviously yeah. you were queuing up to... Yeah. We nearly I mean, got a very we... interesting sponsorship deal last week, didn't we? <laughs>
3: uh, I, I believe that uh, some of our, our friends in the podcast world have indulged in that particular sponsorship And we mean deal. genuine um, friends.
2: We're not being sarcastic. No, no, no.
3: A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and more power to them than their ball deodorant. That's what I say.
2: Ball deodorant and... yeah. Pub trimmers. trimmers, wasn't for us. It wasn't for us, Clive. We said no. I we'll mean, do
3: ultimately, do you want to hear us do a sort <laughs> of forced comedy thing? where we talk about shaving our balls. It's bad and enough the, answer talk, to that, the answer to that is no.
2: It's bad enough when we talk about licking crisps. Exactly. So, you know what I
3: mean? We've already had your vasectomy. We don't need to know about the maintenance around we've that We've had two area. stories
2: about my balls. The double vasectomy, yeah. When we've, when we've, and we've had the cyst had removed. Yep. So we're not moving on to what? <laughs> that I've got a fucking stegosaurus we're shape not moving, We're
3: not moving on to ball deodorant. There's a line. The line You're has to be drawn somewhere. have not even paying us for this. We haven't said no, who it is, so that's no, fine. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I just like saying Baldy deodorant
2: <laughs> but you see that could also sound like baldy space odorant
3: well I mean given how regularly people think that my website is something that isn't I should really be careful ball with the how like <laughs> Willie
2: Hines stinking
3: Baldy deodorant is like a Joan rugby like regen player
2: <laughs> it comes on for Romania yeah <laughs> Uh, anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, <sighs> yeah, you can get in touch with me, Lee at BloodandMud.com or at BloodandMud on the Twitter. What about you, mm-hmm. Josh?
3: Uh, at Josh Gardner, uh, at RugbyShirtWatch and indeed, indeed. Uh, did you
2: Indeed. Uh, much, much feedback on the Lions shirt this week? Much love for it?
3: Uh, a lot of people absolutely hate it for reasons I can't really understand.
2: Yeah, it's not that um, offensive, is it? It's got, not, I don't like yeah, it. I don't like it. I don't want yeah, to buy I, it,
3: but. Yeah, I probably won't buy it. I'm not a big fan of the weird lion graphics on the show. Of course, we got
2: a free one each last time.
3: We did, cause... and I've got a fuck all this time, so.
2: <laughs> See? We'll might we have to go for the baldy Odin if we're not getting exactly, free rugby you know.
3: shirt. But yeah, I I'm not going to buy it. I've bought a few other bits and bobs of lion stuff. I think the stash is very, very nice. I don't a vest. like the sh- uh Fucking right, I've bought a vest, mate. <laughs> the vest comes around but once every four years, so. <laughs> Uh, and I didn't buy a vest last time because it was in my pre-vest days so you're yeah, damn right so, I'm going to make sure that I'm vest I've basically protected vest protecting myself for the next four years
2: My my crisp licking is mm. your wife's vests
3: Yeah, yeah, almost certainly yes <laughs> I mean, She's
2: uh, totally fed up with his vest delivery scenario 100% uh,
3: and to be honest with you she, I think she was just pleasantly surprised when my Roots rugby t-shirt Turned up from Canada today, and it was a shirt. I mean, I'm going back for the singlet. Don't get me wrong, but you know, and the t shirt's
2: going down a charity shop because what you <laughs> said be got for him was a singlet, right?
3: <laughs> I wear it every day. I love that t shirt. It's great.
2: So anyway, we're on, a- we're, on a- we're on a cast, Josh. Yeah, we are. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're also mm. on Patreon. dot com slash Blood and Mud. Thank you everybody for your support. Those new people who are annual subscribers and all that—that's something you can do now, as you well know. That you can pay two quid gets you access to everything. Mm. I mean, the i mean, it's a woefully, amazingly brilliant price. It's an adequate price for the quality, really. Uh, it is. But we absolutely
3: should have charged you more. Uh, and we I'm sure many to. of you would have paid it, but we decided not to because
2: it's guess, too late now. Yeah. Can't go back. Yeah, can't go back. However, there is also a you two quid gets you all the episodes. But if you want to pay five quid, you get a special mention. I must point out, if you are a new person who pays five quid. I get mm. to see that quite easily on the Patreon dashboard and I can mm. pull it out. If you are somebody who's up to your subscription,
3: um, it's quite tricky.
2: it's it's more it awkward. So I, I I catch most of them, but I do miss some. So some people have written, do write in and say, Look, I'm sorry, but I have please do that. If you up your subscription, just mm-hmm. ping me a quick message because then I will absolutely notice it and pick it up. And don't be afraid of saying oi. You've not mentioned me because you, oh, you deserve yeah. to be yeah. mentioned.
3: You've paid for you've paid for this service somehow, so you so <laughs> deserve some it. Reason,
2: Yeah. So if you want, want to join the VIP lounge, you get your name read out, and we have a go at saying what kind of rugby player you are. So this <laughs> week,
3: sorry, we I, I just had a brief look at Twitter, and somebody's just submitted a photo of the Lions' uh, new Lions singlet that they've bought mm-hmm. uh, because I told them to buy it on Rugby Shitwatch. Watch. <laughs> um, and it looks very nice. And I've just also realized, I got an email saying that my lion singlet is arriving at some point between half past seven and nine o'clock. So uh, oh, it, it literally arrive. There could be a live arri- unboxing. Yeah, literally, while we're on air, the lion singlet will arrive. That's uh, your retirement also, plan. That is your retirement plan.
2: You should do um, live singlet live, unboxing live singlet YouTube channels. <sighs> I
3: imagine it. Well do you know what? I used to, I did work with uh, another retailer in America at one point and they wanted me to do video reviews and I was like, You do not want me to do video reviews <laughs> I, like, like, I you re-? think
2: you go quite Well one, I think you do fine. Also two, I've seen people who do video reviews and most of them are awful. And I'm They sure get like hundred million it's like, views. T-
3: do you really want to watch me trying on a rugby shirt on YouTube? No you don't. Some you of won't. the guitar Seriously, lads don't. I watch
2: a lot of guitar videos though. Some of the guitar lads are appalling and I don't just mean the ones They're we've great. talked about. I mean I mean, I
3: mean I mean it's it makes it, people enjoy it because they feel it feels down to earth and uh and mm. fair play. Uh so yeah, we might have a live uh lion's stash delivery on air. And but you can't, can't see. I mean it's content. I, I mean no wonder you yeah. pay for
2: this content some of you. <laughs>
3: I mean, we've got we've got live rugby going on while this goes on as well because it's Pro 14 hashtag Monday Night Rugby, which I still think is fucking seven stupid. six last dialogue To Cardiff is it still like uh, no uh, Ulster have uh, beaten Cardiff eleven seven, uh, and Zebrae are currently beating the Ospreys seventeen three. But of course they are because we literally hell. we're literally half the squad's got COVID. And the rest are off with Wales, and we're starting a literal child <laughs> at fly off and an actual fetus at twelve. <laughs> who's 18 years old and never played a game of professional of rugby. Price. Yeah, that's, this, this is the funny thing. The, the debut who's starting at 10 gets in ahead of Luke Price. You
2: started 10 from about eight months ago,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're still losing 17-3, but of course we are. We were always going to. Anyway, if people want to get their name in the VIP,
2: it's five quid. You can pay mm. up front for the year if you're new and you want to do it that way, and you get a couple of months knocked off for that. Anyway, this week we have, first of all, Rob Eaton. Now I've got Rob as Rob the Rifle Eaton. Oh, Oh, love it. Tell you what. Played fullback for Per Temps Bees with little success in the 2000s. Per
3: Temps Bees.
2: Tried his hand at centre with even less success. And now he's an underemployed children's magician called Mystery Rob. He's working, <laughs> but that's a bit slow at the minute. So he's working for Test and Trace, where he's... he makes more stuff disappear than in his act. Hey!
3: hey. There Come there. on! Hey. Sir, Thank you Thank you, Robin. <laughs> yeah. uh, next up. Uh, next up is uh, Cressida Evans, who's uh, a live wire scrum-off for Monster Women, uh, who causes untowards headaches video analysis sessions when she tries to get her coaches and teammates to describe anything that didn't work as a problem play uh, so that she can inevitably turn mm. the conversation to Shakespeare's problem plays uh, and in particularly her namesake the uh, famously bleak uh, Troilus and Cressida which she is absolutely obsessed with and has been since she realised she was named for it as a young teen uh, unfortunately the rest of the squad are more of a sort of as you like it kind of group so it just causes it's unnecessary it's fair enough it's yeah
2: awful. So, I just want to make the point that Cressida was nominated by his sister, Vanessa, who's a patron. Uh, Cressida apparently lives in Brazil. Oh, sadly, Lives in Brazil and listens every week, <sighs> but won't pony up the money.
3: <laughs> I respect that. I now, respect she has that. to pay to go
2: to Brazil. Exactly. And the economy's not great, is it? So, I suppose.
3: Not, I mean, hi, Cressida. You Hello, know, Cressida. And thank you for listening every week you're, from Brazil. You're definitely our one Brazilian listener.
2: Yes. Who's next? Thank you to uh, Vanessa and thank you to Cress. Well, not thank you, Cress. I thank you, Vanessa, for nominating yeah. your sister. Um, Peter, I've got next, Peter Mori.
3: What's Peter then?
2: Pete Morrie was a six at Oral when Oral were good.
3: <laughs> he does sound like an Oral player. He does. Honest, he now he really works does.
2: close security for Ooh. Manchester Metro Mayor Andy Burnham. <laughs> and Andy chides him a lot for not playing proper rugby.
3: Uh, But it's only playful. uh, It's only playful. Exactly. It's it's, it's all in fun, isn't it? Yeah. And lastly. Yeah, finally then, we've got Phil Koppel, who's uh, a stat-obsessed winger for Old Slytherians RFC. Uh, He's a decent player, but he has to sit up the front of the bus so that he won't break out all the sort of homemade analysis spreadsheets that he does that break down all of the opposition's strengths and weaknesses, along with some meticulously crafted strategies that he's been up all night to sort of exploit these tendencies. Unfortunately for him, nobody else gives a fuck because they just want to play rugby and have a laugh with their mates and not do video sessions on the bus home.
2: I bet Phil's one of those people who does extravagant like stuff in Excel.
3: 100%. With, formulas but, all over the but place.
2: But doesn't change the default font.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's 100% in Arial or Calibri Everything's the same size.
2: Yeah. And Cali- everything's Calibri 11 throughout the entire <laughs> thing. No <laughs> highlighting, nothing. Finally... Uh, just before we move on with this there are also some people who pay above the odds yeah who are as we know in the heavenly host of angels Mm -hmm. this week's angels first of all is Gary Gorge who's a Gary (laughs) maybe we were talking last week about double R R R? Gary no single Gary ah fair enough I've had a few messages about Gary's of Barry's this <laughs> week, which I've not which I've not managed Brilliant. to pull together. I do apologise. I, I mean, chat it's
3: well. lo- it's lovely to tease people to come back next week. <laughs> I mean, they really excited. This is
2: what they pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gary Gorge, who's generous generously upped his um, contribution this month. Hmm. However, I've then realised he generously upped it like he did last year to the score in the World Cup final to shithouse me via patronage. <laughs>
3: I because it that. is a year to I the day that. a year to the Indeed. day today. a year to the day today since the World Cup final since since the box since the-
2: fucking tonked us in that World Cup final
3: So <laughs> since the funny day as so, I like to remember well done it. Gary
2: but i just like to yeah. point out I've still got your fucking money so I hope you <laughs> well no I've got half your money because I've got to, give out. Say, I've got got to give out
3: and to half Josh, of it but- is me just going to do that every year mate it's hilarious yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and also guess what's up to his uh, contribution who in the heavenly host of angels? Friend of the pod, Adam Reese.
3: Oh, fair play, Ad. He's coming. He's coming to somebody, is he? I, I
2: don't know. Have you have you given some free lads work recently?
3: <laughs> oh goodness, no. <laughs> quite quite right, too. I mean, I don't. I I won't have any of that metal nonsense.
2: What I like sure about I Adam is he's, he's, he's an equal opportunity
3: shit music lover, really. He loves, he loves all the bad music, and I love him dearly for it.
2: Loads of music he loves is I love, so I can't say anything. Anyway.
3: UKA guitar champion. Never forget it.
2: We, we attract all the right kind of people Absolutely. to this podcast. So that's, that's the Patreon stuff. Patreon.com slash Blood and Mud, if you're on daily VIP. I've got a couple of things. We're going to do Team of the 90s next, I promise. We're going to we get are, one actually, in before Christmas.
3: We definitely said we're going to do another one this year, which is... I mean, we said it on air now. We've got to do it, surely.
2: I'm also interviewing Michael Aylwin about yes. his book about how completely in the shit rugby is. Sounds like it's right up our street. <laughs> I mark. was going to so, say,
3: it's bang on with our... And of course, not, he's,
2: I could actually say this now, who's my colleague at The Guardian, Michael Aylwin, because he has <laughs> never spoken to him before, never seen him, never emailed him, but he's my colleague at The Guardian. Now then...
3: Now then, now then. We
2: start, as we always start, mm-hmm. with a player spotted. Yes. Ollie White DMs. Hello, Ollie. Hi, he Ollie. says, a few weeks before lockdown, me and my now ex-girlfriend. Then he says, fuck COVID. Don't worry, she's not dead. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm sorry she's your <laughs> ex-girlfriend, but I'm glad she's not dead. He says, we went for breakfast near Scood Gladys, near Glynneath Waterfalls. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of that? I don't know that. I don't know. I know uh, Blaine, it's,
3: but I'm... It's, a, it's a little bit down the valley for my. I'm I say that. My dad lives there. I just don't know anything about it.
2: <laughs> he said, uh, she had a breakfast roll and I had an avocado and chorizo bagel.
3: I mean, that to me shows that you two were not meant to be.
2: It does show you're not meant to get it too. Also, a cafe by Glyndeath Waterfall does avocado <laughs> and chorizo gonna... bagels for
3: breakfast. <laughs> I mean, that was the second my follow up on that, yeah. <laughs> Is yeah. what does the, do they sell a lot of those? I mean, of course they do. There's loads of rugby players in that neck of the woods. That's they're true. all on the avocado yeah, fucking toast, aren't they?
2: They'll But they're afternoon chomping that and having coffee, won't they? Mm-hmm. Having that coffee that's by that fellow used to play for the Ospreys. Was he still there? Uh,
3: yeah, Fat Dragon Coffee or whatever it is. is, is that, it, I know that Scott that's Houghton still... got one. Isn't oh he, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, so they've all got one. That's the problem. <laughs> Fat Dragon is uh, is Dylan Lewis's coffee, coffee company, I believe. Right. Which,
2: yeah. Um, Anyway, he says, as we were leaving, I spotted a familiar face walking past me. On second glance, I recognised it was none other than Welsh rugby's journeyman of journeymen, Tavis Noyle.
3: Oh, lovely stuff.
2: Upon my realisation, I turned to my girlfriend and said, is that? And before I could finish, she said, yes, that's Tavis Noyle. Everyone knows him round here and he's also a dick. Ollie says to this day, I, mean, I still don't know why he's apparently a dick, but nevertheless, I hope this is enough of a mundane player spot for you guys.
3: Fair enough. Yeah, he was. It's it's still a marvel to me that Tavis Noyle is still a thing.
2: Uh, it's a marvel he, to me that he's he's recognisable because I wouldn't know him if I tripped over him. I tell you
3: what, Tavis Noyle has got quite a distinctive face. He's got a permanently cross face, which you know. He just does one of those faces that just looks like it's a... Fuming. It's just all times just scowly. Because he was out of the game for a while, wasn't he? And, the, and I think he became a personal Well, he's been trainer, passed from pillar
2: to post. I'd be, and I'd then, be yeah, fuming, no, I
3: think. He came off the bench for the Dragons uh, last on uh, Sunday against Munster. He's he's still very much in only the game. The only person
2: I've ever known be called Tavis as well.
3: That too, Yeah. I don't I'm even think it's a, I Don't even think it's a Welsh thing because I don't, I don't know. I don't know any more Tavis. Because if
2: it was Tavis, it would have an F.
3: One F. Yeah, yeah. There's a the V in it for starters.
2: Yeah, you've invented a Welsh name and anglicised it. That's deep. That's a deep <laughs> cut. It's like an Inception Welsh name.
3: Yeah, Tavis, of course, one of the uh, the elite few who've played for all four regions, of course. Indeed. Mm. Did he play for Wales? Uh, yeah, and he played for Wales. Yeah. He's got eleven caps, apparently. Good.
2: For is that him. more or less than Richie Reese?
3: Uh, I'd say that's less than Richie Reese. Richie Reese has probably got a terrifyingly large number of caps. <laughs> Let's All find of out. Which from minute sixty onwards. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was a period. Oh no, he's only got nine caps. That's, oh, I think, he did seem to be ever present for a little while. Yeah, he was. He, he? A, he was always around, but I think the reality is that he. Perhaps didn't get into as many squads as he could. They kind of work, they kind of, because they both started playing for Wales around about the same time, which is about 2010. And obviously, Richie Reese kind of didn't play for him for very long. But yeah. There we go. Thank you very much,
2: Ollie. That was a belter. It was.
3: So, Thomas Noyes also played for both Neath, Lennely and Pontypridd in the Premiership. So if he really could play if, if he could play for Cardiff r f c that would mean that he'd played for club teams and the representative teams of like Or if he played for Newport rather then it's kind of done
2: you... all the kind of club teams of You'd the regions of as the well. The regions
3: as well. I mean, I'm sure Blues fans would be, have lots to say about me describing Pontypridd as one of the Blues' <laughs> a Blues club team. But uh, it is, yeah. no, isn't
2: it it is part of the of course. It
3: is, yeah, that region thing. Right? They <laughs> should not... ban that word. It should
2: be. It should be <laughs> like in in like New Zealand where they ban people calling your kids
3: certain certain names. Yeah,
2: they should ban the word region in Welsh <laughs> rugby. They shouldn't be allowed to be they used. Should, they should certainly it's ban it misleading
3: between the sort of. Heads of the Valleys and Cardiff, because it doesn't go down well there for some reason. No. Anyway, should we start the podcast?
2: Yeah, let's start the podcast with the news.
0: Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna. Acast is home to the world's best
2: podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now.
3: Yes, um, the ticket prices for um, the Lions versus Japan match at Murrayfield next year have been revealed, and uh, were they not cheap? Were they are not cheap at all.
2: Lions versus <laughs> Japan at Murrayfield.
3: Yes. How much? Uh, what do you think they start at? Cheapest ticket in the room. Cheapest, cheapest ticket in the room. Awful, now, normally, for instance, you, can, you can squeeze
2: one out at about 45 quid, can't you? Yeah, so you what's can. the cheapest one? I reckon the cheapest one is what? Is it a tonne or something?
3: It's not quite a tonne. Cheapest price, 85 quid, um, going up to 116, 137. Well, you
2: seconds. have to sit in the toilets all game for that and just be past a bit of Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ahead.
3: You are. You might as well, you know, be watching ants play rugby from there. uh Most expensive ticket is 152, which isn't too bad, really. But you know, it's still. I mean,
2: it's, it's a cracking day out, Edinburgh. Though. It's,
3: got, it's cracking. It's a cracking day out, and it's also a chance to go and watch the Lions without having to go on tour, which makes the demand for this is going to be unfucking believable. It's
2: probably the only Lions game that's going to be played.
3: And it might well be the only Lions game that gets played as well. This might be the de facto Thoughts, tour, guys.
2: Josh and everyone, pod out in, Murrayfield, Into it,
3: into it, absolutely into it. I think the Vodafone should pay for us.
2: They should, yeah, somebody should. As, an important, Vodafone. as, an,
3: as an important sort of, you know, voice in the something.
2: But I but I went to watch Edinburgh and Munster last season, season before. I did it mm, in no a day, idea. did it in a day on the train. Fair play. Got to train at 6 o'clock, because it was like a 4pm kickoff. Mm. Got to train at 6am from here, straight up there.
3: Belting. Indeed. Uh, yeah, and, and kids can go from 43 quid, which is <laughs> too much. Don't
2: take your kids. They won't appreciate <laughs> it. No, they won't. Uh, what else have we got in news? The Six Nations played a Tournament shortlist is out, Josh.
3: I haven't actually seen this, so I'm really excited. Let to me see hit you up with the
2: shortlist. Okay, good. Maru Itoji. Fair enough. CJ Stander.
3: Just about fair enough, yeah.
2: Gregory Aldrete.
3: Uh, top try scorer, wasn't he?
2: Plus, had a good tournament. Yeah. Antoine Dupont,
3: Fucking right he is.
2: Roman Untermach.
3: Absolutely.
2: And finally,
3: Ben Young! <laughs> Seriously. no. That's not true. It is absolutely. That's, true. That's incorrect. That ben Youngs Fuck
2: is on the short It's unbelievable. <laughs>
3: unbelievable. The lengths to which people will go to pretend that Ben Youngs is a good player, just astound me. You know what honestly. you think? Because I
2: can't remember anything since before the lockdown. I thought I've, I've obviously forgotten something here. So I went on to like have a look. Well, what's he been doing? What did he do with the rest of the tournament? Let's well, him what he did the rest of the tournament. He scored two tries versus Italy at the weekend.
3: Yeah.
2: He. Um, was at the heart of England's what can best be described as malaise versus France. Yes. He came off the bench versus Scotland. Yes. And other than against Italy, he scored no points whatsoever and zero tries in this tournament.
3: However, as the Six Nations is uh, keen to point out, he has kicked 1,306 metres, which shows his understanding of how important the territory battle is. <laughs> I can't even get to it. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> I've never seen anyone use the meters kicked stat before. That's so.
2: Aggregated did... meters kicked to show an understanding of the game that gets you nominated for player of the tournament.
3: <laughs> They've also. Also, it's not even that good because I've just looked at DuPont, DuPont's kicked for 1500 meters. Which yeah, is the most much, in the How much
2: Dupont understands territory with that level of kicking?
3: <laughs> it compare. I tell you what, the photo they've used of Dupont on Massive the Six page, it just makes his, his head, it makes his head look like a spitting image puppet. They've put some sort of weird filter on him, and he legitimately looks like he's been crafted out of latex. Looks <laughs> like a caricature of himself. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't normally look like that. It's not a flattering angle anyway. I
2: can't work out whether DuPont's a good looking man or not.
3: I don't think he's a good looking man. I think he's an unbelievably good rugby player. Well, yes. I don't think he's a good player. I don't think anybody's <laughs> under any illusions about <laughs> that anymore. I think I mean, it's easy to forget
2: how quickly he's come through, isn't he?
3: Yeah. Because I, mean, Cause I can ca- remember. How it? many caps has he got? It's probably a scarily small number. It's probably, like it's probably 11 got 11 or less or caps than Richie Reese. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I can remember um, it was either it was it was I think it was Iltid David Dad David who's out mm. in, um, in in France and covers. I'm sure it was him mentioning about this Toulouse scrum half who looks unbelievable, and I think that was about 18 months ago.
3: Yeah, he made his debut for Toulouse in 2017. Uh, he had uh, previously played for Cast for. Uh like I I assume he was in Cast's youth system. I don't know anything about French rugby, so according to this yeah, he go in two thousand and fourteen he, he he was um he's from he was originally at Oh <laughs> which is definitely not how you pronounce it, but I'm well sure I choose to. Uh and then joined Cast after they got relegated from the Pro D two And then after he played sixty times for Cast and he he's only played forty five times for Toulouse. And 25 times for France.
2: It's staggering.
3: And yet, he is head and shoulders the best nine in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. It's not even close.
2: Both by shoulder size and head oh, volume.
3: Huge shoulders, massive Swede. And just a big old neck as well. Really big neck.
2: Yeah. What a player. I mean, what you know. Fuck? I mean, we'll talk about we it, could sure. it forever, we? But anyway, speaking of the opposite end of that, the nominations at Scrum yes. Half. Ben Young's, man. It's just because you've got 100 caps. So yeah,
3: 100%. 100% that's and, as, and like you, they've forgotten absolutely everything about what happened pre-lockdown. <laughs> I so thought it was
2: going insane. I thought, I've obviously <laughs> forgotten what a brilliant fucking... But then, of course, you just run that gif of him launching that ball into touch versus France, don't you? Mm.
3: It's, it's, it's quite a thing. It really is. And it just shows... I don't actually these, think these he's players, had a dreadful
2: tournament. No, but he's certainly not. But he ser- I
3: mean... At the on the flip side of that, um, there's definitely a vibe that this was just a, such a bad tournament. They were really scrabbling around trying to find somebody that played well. But why are no Scottish players in that? Because there's definitely a couple of Scottish players that I put in the frame for team player of the tournament. Fucking right. Jamie Ritchie, for starters.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean,
3: <laughs> it's... It feels mad to me.
2: The mesh has had a strong one.
3: Yeah. You know, it's...
2: Hogg had a good one, actually.
3: Hog has actually had a good one. Ali Price has be very good. You know, it's... it's to toss the to casual... Just casually toss Ben Youngs in there <laughs> just feels churlish, if I'm honest. Right. Anyway, That's yes. It, so we're not happy about that. Not happy about that. No. I
2: think more baffled. Yeah. I deliberately, we mentioned this before we came on. And he said, I've not seen it yet. I said, Well, l- just wait, don't look until I tell you. So, <laughs> Hence, he's still a bit mad. You got
3: an entirely authentic reaction there. Uh, it was not a happy one.
2: Uh, what else have we got in the news? Fiji are riddled with COVID.
3: Yes, uh, but Semi's going to be fit for the Autumn Nations Cup, so nobody really cares about the whole riddled with COVID thing as long as he plays.
2: Assuming he, they can put a team out.
3: Yeah, if they've got three players in the squad that have got COVID, which to be fair, the Ospreys have got. three Well, as rumours, it's
2: nine now.
3: Oh, fuck, is it nine now? The Ospreys have had three players of like, uh, test positive with COVID this week, and they're playing right now. So, I mean, rugby doesn't seem to <laughs> care that much.
2: Of course, a week Monday, I will be in the free unlocked Republic of Wales, while you, you will, you, you saps, are all be locked in your house till the second December. Bless you.
3: Yeah. Which will big difference change change my life in absolutely zero way at all, but you know, I have it, to cheer yourself yeah.
2: up by ordering some more singlets, are not you?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just going to keep a steady stream of stash arriving <laughs> for the next month, every day or so.
2: Few people in a job.
3: Yeah, exactly. I'm supporting the economy. Uh, what else have we got here?
2: Money. Speaking of the economy, mm-hmm. uh, no one's got any money, obviously. No. Definitely not. From a rugby point of view, obviously, I know a lot of people struggling with work as well. So if you're one of those people, I'm I'm sorry, and I hope it sorts itself out for you. Um,
3: yeah, we're not making light of it. Honestly, we're just kind of dicks.
2: But the IRFU, yes, have finally been bailed out by the government, which is no doubt no doubt going to get the RFU pissed off one way or the other.
3: Yeah, did the, did like the RFU get any? Money there was the rumours
2: that them and horse racing were going to get some. Uh...
3: All all the posh sports. To be um, fair, yeah. with horse
2: racing, loads of working class outside. people do horse racing yeah, and, 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 Welsh, and, and love it. So actually, the fact that everyone owns the horses is posh is a different thing altogether. But
3: I mean, I think the argument is that the people who own the horses are generally doing quite well. well of course they are, yeah. <laughs> but then the owners of pretty much everything are doing quite well. You only get called so. the
2: arger if, if you're a posh cooker or an incredibly rich man mm-hmm. So who owns horses.
3: Yes, so the RF, they've got uh, the equivalent of 16.2 million quid, uh, which, given that their deficit is 32 million quid, is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it'll, it'll help, but not a lot.
2: They've probably got some kind of plan, haven't they? A recovery you hope plan. So. We can claw back 16, but we need the other 16, please. Yes. I think, I'm just loving that because I imagine. Who's that mad Irish journalist who hates Irish rugby or lives in Brazil? He'll be uh, flipping his fucking lid about this. I can't remember his I name I don't is. know,
3: but he said... Is it, has he got Richard Littlejohn vibes? Oh, he's, about... he,
2: he absolutely despises Irish rugby, and the fact that it's okay. given any prominence by the Irish media because he says that they're a terrible team and have done nothing.
3: <laughs> I mean, he's absolutely incorrect there, but I appreciate that commitment <laughs> yes. to being a shit house.
2: Uh Yeah, so other money-wise, World Rugby have come out and said, obviously everyone's in the shit. It's like they've just noticed this week, weirdly. Um and um <laughs> fuck you that and they've got a seventy seven million pound slush fund to start dishing out to people. Um and the priority is the stricken tier one nations are the first people to be receiving the money.
3: Yeah, I mean let's let's I, I was going to make a joke about them not needing it, but let's be honest, the game will be fucked if the tier one nations... It's go true. It seems like, oh, well, what about the... Team? Well, actually, to be honest, they're the ones who bring
2: in all the fucking money. So if they fold, yeah. no one's got a chance. So. Yeah,
3: it's, 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 it's very much the RFU, uh, World Rugby, rather, investing in its future. It's, you know, if they if there's no fucking anything like that, then how on earth is are we going to keep supporting... Like smaller nations, if there's no England and no Ireland and no Wales and no France, you know,
2: yeah, so that's happening. And then finally, the news for me um, the uh, Argen in France lost yes, yes. 71 points to three to Bordeaux at <laughs> the weekend.
3: Oh, I saw this, yeah. Now,
2: why is that news? Well, I'll tell you why it's news. The president of Argen sacked the entire coaching team before the game finished.
3: I mean, that's one way to get it out of the way, isn't it?
2: It is one way to get it out of the way. So (laughs) then the coaching team didn't even get to do the press conference afterwards because they had been sacked prior (laughs) to the 80th minute.
3: That's some Gareth Jenkins shit right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God,
2: yeah. <laughs>
3: uh, but even more so, let's be honest. Even more uh, so,
2: and beautifully French.
3: Yeah, beautifully French. It's it's you cannot say it's not decisive in its own way. Not necessarily in a good way, I don't think. But 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 it is certainly decisive.
2: So imagine when you you know you they they put the. Apply for this job post up on whatever board on the Guardian or whatever mm. for the Argent coach's job, and you, and they say you know at that level you should really be phoning up the owner to find out what the situation is. You now, so what happened to your last coaching team then? Oh, I sacked him. Seventy eighth minute of a game, we were getting battered in. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I might apply. I'll have to have. A th- I'll have to think about it.
3: <laughs> I'm going to take a really, really, really close look at the contract to check out what the severance package is, and then maybe we'll talk.
2: Yeah, because here's the thing. I mean, why would you want the job if that's what? it's, it's got significant Flavio Briatore Q eight QPR vibes going on.
3: <laughs> Big style. Massive style. <laughs> Any more news? Uh, I mean, Gatlin said that Rob Howley isn't going to be involved with the Lions this time around, which is not shocking, really, let's be honest. He's coaching Canada now.
2: The headlines were, um, he said something about it would be difficult. Mm. And of course, that makes you read, so he it does his job. But actually, what he was saying was quite straightforward. He said, "You know, I respect Rob. I respect him as a coach. I think he's really, really great. However, we can't have the entire tour with me answering quest him or me answering questions about all of that stuff. Exactly. For two- when not. we've got like to get a job done in the space of about four weeks, you know,
3: it's it's it would be it's like the most ungatling thing imaginable for him to get somebody who is a massive fucking distraction into what will need to be the most." distraction-free environment imaginable. Save an absolute
2: fortune on full-fat coke as well, if Rob's not alongside Uh, hundred
3: percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you've got that sugar tax to worry about. You have, yeah. Yeah.
2: Any more news or is that it?
3: Uh, Yeah, I think that's about it, really, yeah.
2: Shall we talk about what it did happen at the weekend?
3: (sighs) I mean, yeah. I suppose we have to, don't we? That's what we're here for, technically. It is what three, we're here for, technically. Three quite shit games, if I'm brutally honest.
2: I quite enjoyed the France Island game.
3: I enjoyed. It, I enjoyed but it parts of me. the
2: France game, of the Italy game, because Italy gave it a good go for at least half an hour of it. Um, I did not enjoy Wales versus Scotland, but I, no. I, I probably enjoyed the last 15 minutes of Scotland playing. I admired it quite a bit.
3: Yeah, there was plenty. There was there was some to admire. In all the games, but I just I found Ireland France irritating because it should have just like neither team seemed to realise that they just needed to give it a go and they'd win the Six Nations.
2: I wrote that in my preamble. I said, "Fucked me off." The good thing about this is that one of them at least is going to go for like the clappers from the offie, and it never quite happened. So no,
3: it it looked like it was just like again, it felt like a fucking training match. Like Ireland, literally, all Ireland needed to do was win that game. By like seven points or whatever it was in the six end.
2: points to score a try, yeah,
3: yeah, and they just couldn't be fucking like from the off, they looked like they were trying their best not to lose,
2: I think um I wrote at half time in that game, we're doing this game first don't we, I suppose, I wrote yeah. at half time in that game that um. I, didn't have, I should realise now why why they lost because I wrote at half-time and they've got this and they should win it quite easily because <laughs> they had like 68% territory in possession the first half even though they were losing. They were like yeah. they were doing all the structured stuff. It was... Sexton was making some poor decisions about what to do with penalties because they'd already got the try. So it was just like, well, why don't you just keep chipping it? And actually I could see why... Yeah, all the I, ladies I, do was I, chip away at it. I, I could understand why it wasn't... Because they didn't need to be that exciting, did they? They could have spent... But it that was all contingent on them cont- continuing to do what they did in that first 40 minutes.
3: Yeah. And I think the reality... And France, you know... France, there was no excuse for the level of meh that France threw. Because the, all they should have been doing was fucking throwing it around all over the place from minute one because they needed a bonus point and they needed a big win. However... And it was on it was on the fucking cards at one point in the second half, and they just didn't.
2: However, though, I think there's something... If you take that the France squad is on a journey, and this has been fucking done to death, yeah. this, but actually, them saying, we'll just win this game by playing rugby that looks like rugby, Yeah, and we true. won't win the championship, but actually, we'll learn how to play a game of rugby
3: yeah and I get it I just I'm unsatisfied by it cause I understand I want, that as well I right? want I yeah. wanted a grandstand finish and what we got was two teams sort of I think after the games that had gone before it as minute. well that was the yeah. other thing you're like, oh come it on was really just fucking give us something just give us something good and like yeah and you're completely right you know France are on a journey France I looked. France actually conceded more points per game under Edwards than they did last year, which, <laughs> which is mad. Doesn't
2: feel that way, does it? No, no
3: it doesn't. But it just—imagine how good they'll be on but the points difference once is he appalling. Really actually, yeah, in. it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. and you know that they're—they're they're going somewhere that everybody else should be very worried about. But I just thought there was an opportunity for it to be an old school France game there, <laughs> and them to give in to their batshit instincts. And they just didn't. And I feel cheated as a rugby fan.
2: Although um, I, I can understand why they didn't give a shit about that and just played a game of rugby. Honestly, yes. that second half that they played was probably the best half of rugby I can remember France played for a very, very long time.
3: Oh, it was exceptionally
2: professional. Such a good. good. And then you sprinkle in the fucking fairy dust at halfback. Yeah. Both halfbacks. And it becomes well, a different well, I thing. Think that altogether.
3: was the thing that wound me up. Was that there was a sense that they could. Score whenever they really wanted to. Like there was enough about them, An Island was so lacklustre in that second half that if they'd have put another twenty percent effort in, they might have won that game with enough points to win the title. And I like, and I know and you're quite right that they're on a journey. Blah blah blah. But it's like, boring,
2: though, isn't it? We, uh... Well, it's
3: not just that it's boring. It's just like chances to win this like. Look, how long has it been since France last won the Six Nations? I don't know. I should know that, but I, I think don't it was it two thousand seven.
2: Was it, was like it that? after the World Cup?
3: Oh yeah, we might two thousand twelve. They usually win it after a World Cup or a Lions tour, don't they? Let's find out.
2: Let's find out. You keep talking. I'll find out.
3: Uh, yeah, because two thousand twelve was Wales, wasn't it?
2: Of course, it was.
3: I don't think France have won it since like two thousand ten. Let's have a look. Um, but while I'm looking, I'll keep waffling on. Um, yeah, there's. It doesn't come around very often that you get the opportunity to win the Six Nations, and especially given where we are, yeah, France haven't won it since 2010. Right. So, a decade-long absence, which is the longest it was they've after gone the without a World Cup. Then
2: that's what I'm getting. <laughs> but like really. they've
3: yeah. they've gone, you know, that's the longest France have gone without winning anything for the best part of 30 years. You have to go all the way back to more than that, actually. Fuck me. The
2: last yeah, they are winning it every couple of years or so. They, 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 had, they had a, like a three-year fallow win, period. France
3: though. win it every three to five years and have done all the way back. The last time that France went more than like five years without winning a title was Was, the 19, war. was between 1947. It <laughs> was, was the first time they won it. it was the first time they, they won it for the first time in 1954. And ever since then, they've won it at least once or twice a decade ever since, until 2010. So this is the longest time in their history that they've gone without winning the Six Nations. And it was absolutely fucking there for them. And, you know, I get it. And I I respect why they have a process and why they're going to, you know, to go on to bigger and better things and they very well—they may very well win it next year. They might not. England are a very good team. Mm. Ireland could become a very good team. Scotland are a growing team. Like, There's no fucking surety in this world. When you've got it, your destiny in your own hands on the final day to win the Six Nations and you sort of half-arse it, I don't know, I just think that's a massive fuck-up.
2: Yeah, well... I wouldn't put it. No, that's too strong a word that I would use. I wish they'd gone for it a bit more, but then again, I do think that the coaches would have taken more from them not doing that. So, and I enjoy. I did genuinely kind of enjoy that game. It wasn't a fucking. It's all. I absolutely enjoyed it, but I can understand your point about relatively not enjoying it because relatively it was fine. Speaking, it was the best game went, of the day. Yeah, it was, and it was the most competent game today. And two the most competent performance. Well, Ireland the second half, maybe.
1: I don't know.
3: It was was fine, but super fucking Sunday or whatever, Super Saturday, (laughs) I I expect a little bit more than that, you know?
2: But this is the problem when you're marketing this way because teams are just going to play the game they want to play, aren't they? They don't give a shit about your superness.
3: 100%. Yeah, true. The problem is that we had that one Super Saturday. We did, didn't we? (laughs) Where everyone went mad. And ever since then, everyone's got. Everyone's got. You could go to the pub,
2: it was all insane.
3: Such a good day. But ever since then, there's been a sort of, Ooh, Super Saturday. When was the last time Super Saturday was good and meant something?
2: Was it then? <laughs> Feels like then. But like I say, I've forgotten everything since before
3: that. I mean, so. I'm prepared to absolutely be proven wrong there, because I've forgotten about everything that's happened since, yeah, since ever. But I just... I genuinely don't know if I'm, Super Saturday's ever been good since.
2: I'm still quite worried about Francis
3: front row, is what I would say. Uh I think they've got two of the better hookers in the tournament.
2: Yeah. The props don't seem I'm not overly convinced. No They're quite young though, right? Bamba's quite young, isn't he?
3: Yeah, I think the props will get better, but I do think they they could really do with a couple of props in their early thirties. Who are horrible yes. and nasty? That they can. You add Thomas Domingo and on.
2: Christian Califano oh. to that
3: team. <laughs> and it's fucking all it's over. In, Yeah, but that is kind of what they're missing. In a way, is they could really do with like some old, cam- like an old campaigner up front to be a kind of a steadying force to this. Because I, I feel like you know, while they've scrummaged well in this tournament, I feel like they are due getting turned over by somebody bigger and nastier and more wily than them. And you know, I respect that. But yeah, you look at their props and their props, the age of their five props are 27, 22, 22, 21, 26.
2: Maybe I mean, I'm that's... not so worried then. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't worry so much.
1: Give it another they're couple of years. Gonna,
3: gonna, they'll be fine in a couple of years. Until then, I agree with you. I, I am a bit concerned. On the flip side, I'd like them to have a little a bit more youth and energy in the second row, where I think, you know, they've got 230 30-year-olds in there, in Larue and uh, Taufinua, who are fine, but... Where's that getting... massive...
2: Um... I can't remember his name now, that massive red-haired one gone.
3: Oh, um, oh, what's his fucking name? I can't remember his name either.
2: Oh, I'll tell you what, what a broader rugby podcast we are. Uh,
3: I can't remember his name either. Did he play... That guy, though. I think he's injured anyway. Is he injured? He's not in the current squad. But yeah, obviously, once you get into the back row, the scrum-off, the fly-offs, the wings, the centres, the full-backs absolutely fucking fine there's not a the the only thing that I'd be worried about is occasionally somebody might do something silly like pick Teddy Tomer and I understand why you'd do that but that's like the, the silliest it gets otherwise it's all very sensible and professional and composed and excellent what's happened to France man
2: but yeah, it's it is composed. Excellent. But, but then they'd still do well, some quite geniuses. lovely stuff. That that, yeah. that chip over the top from and Tamak when he spotted there was no Bobby running oh, in behind beautiful. and stuff. Lovely. And just also just he like glided and caught it, and then just like it you know, all the time in the world, just popped. I mean I know it's it, you know, it's an easier thing for a professional rugby player to do, but it's still just lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> Once he caught the ball it was an easy finish, wasn't it? But
3: And it is worth remembering that Mac is 21 years old and Dupont is 23 and Vincent is 21 and also and Ressier is 23 and is, you know
2: Is Gael Ficou good in any position he plays in now? That's the biggest so, revolution yeah. of this new
3: honestly, France isn't it? Honestly how the fuck is Fiku not in, Fiku's not player in the player tournament?
2: No he's not no that's an absolute he's... fucking we But they've only got three French people in there, to be
3: fair. <laughs> <Put> them... <laughs> yeah, but like, how the ever living fuck does like Vakatawa's in there, isn't he? No. Is he not? No. Oh, fair I, enough then. I think he's careful with fair, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough for Olivon scoring all the tries and you it would be hard to look past and to Mac and DuPont. But fucking hell, Ficku has been brilliant in this tournament. Playing two positions to a world class level, which is just something that
2: Nobody ever thought we'd be saying.
3: Nobody. No. (laughs) I don't think any of us thought that this would be the way his career would go. Despite the fact that that he's now got,
2: I think, 122 caps. Nobody ever thought that it would be that way. At the age of 28, whenever old he is.
3: Let's think. He's only got 56 caps and he's 26. Like, he's the same. I think he's the same age as George North and he's got 50 less caps. Or he's got 40 something less caps. What was the score
2: with George North of the weekend, by the way?
3: Uh, Dropped on form, which now seems silly. Given how everybody else went,
2: also the fact that every time he got the ball against France the week before, he looked
3: he looked really good. The most informed player in the backs. Yep.
2: So okay,
3: Uh yeah, there was uh, he uh, Wayne Pivac said some bollocks basically about him not being informed, which just don't believe um, <laughs> because he he was in form. Oh, sorry, he's two years younger than George North. Fair play to him, but he still got forty odd less caps than him, which he's not going to get in the next two years. He's Um He's a remarkable like, in terms of like a sort of comeback story, I think ficky might be the best comeback story of an international player. But he never
2: went away. No, but he was sort of just <laughs> there, <laughs> just, wasn't he, was, he? He was there gathering fifty half half a century of caps, never go, what oh, the fuck's he still doing there? <laughs> it's the best story of perseverance really. Or whether we just all weren't noticing that he was just better than we thought he was. I think it was that relative thing wasn't it that he did come through in such he came a blaze of
3: extremely light, he? hyped and he was very good at the start and rescored scored that try against England but I do feel like he lost he did definitely lose his way for a while because mm. so I think he was they were trying to make him into something that he wasn't and as you say he probably more than anything just needed somebody to, to Tell him that he's fucking shit hot all the time.
2: He's he's a, he's Sean he's Edwards. new Ian Goff, when he plays in the backs because <laughs> he's got a, he's always got an Ian Goff on him. And he's got
3: and he's got a lovely touch and a lot. Just a, he does everything well. I just I really enjoy watching him play. Yeah. Um,
2: what about?
3: I'll spare your pain. I mean, you should save that to the end because I mean, it's gonna it's gonna take a while. What do
2: you think about so? Ireland?
3: Um, the question, the main- my main takeaway from the Ireland thing was, there's a question over whether Jonathan Sexton should be Ireland's starting ten. I think that he- is a discussion worth having. However, I don't think there's much of a discussion left about whether he should be captain mm. because he's just not fucking good at it. Like the pe- the way that he came off and petulantly fucking threw his toys out of the pram when he got substituted and then when asked about it later on basically just sort of shrugged his shoulders like a teenager and go what else am I supposed to do? I was supposed to be happy about it was I? (laughs) But with an Irish accent.
2: He pulled a Mike Brown
1: He really did
3: and it's like, it's fair enough you're allowed to be annoyed when you're substituted but not if you're the fucking captain not if you're the most experienced fucking player on the park you're supposed to have a bit of fucking humility and professionalism about it and like i just that's just the straw for me like the reality is he also over the think, last year he's been shit
2: yeah i'm not sure he um he got the heads in the right place during that game as well either cuz some of his no. decision making on penalties wasn't great well, the ca- and there's the something about two it, jobs. and people stand it? there, don't they? And think, well, what are you doing now? And people, are, and then you see him like losing his shit a bit. Which, is when it's going well, they probably think is very inspiring. Indeed. Yeah, and, yeah. And all yeah. That. Whereas actually, when it's like, well, you seem to have fucking lost all your shit
3: now, and I don't feel <laughs> you're, you're making me feel
2: uncomfortable, it. Johnny. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and that's the thing. The captain's got two. You know, as much as all the sort of forgetting all the off-field stuff for a minute, like the captain's job when he's on the pitch is to influence the ref. And to make good decisions regarding kicking for the corner, taking the scrum, or kicking the points, and he has done both terribly for the last year. Like <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> refs, yeah. refs more often than not just annoyed by his constant whinging and shouting and carping. It's exactly the same reason that Dan Bigger's not, you know, not captain material because he's much more likely to piss them off with his whinging than he is. Get them on side. And as you say, he's just consistently made bad decisions about when to go to the corner and when to kick the points and it's cost island games and it's cost island wins. But the problem is there's not that many candidates to take over.
2: James Ryan's next like, off the rank, isn't he? But it's that's like great fucking, player he's like seven leadership. years
3: old though. And and do you really want to fucking put that on him when he's got, you know, under fifty caps? And he, it's it's kind of weird, actually, when you think about it. Like, since Bodd and O'Connell retired, like there's been this weird void of leadership in the Irish team. Well, you remember when Best got made captain? Hmm. It was literally because but they, they voted. voted didn't they? they they voted it because they couldn't think of an outstanding candidate <laughs> to be the leaders, <laughs> and he just got the most votes. <laughs> and like that to me, a worrying, but like in that circumstance you know why not just give it this like, this time they just went oh well Sexton's the man now and it just no well clearly mm-hmm. he's not just go to the back of the vote thing
2: so they're short of an international fullback
3: oh, and good they're Lord, short
2: they of a captain oh. you know where we're going with this don't you
3: the
2: future's <laughs> Bryce the future's <laughs> Puffin the future's Dave Carney
3: <laughs> see I thought you were going to suggest bringing Simon Zebo back as captain and fullback oh, that still I'm works absol- that works I'm absolutely yeah. here for that I'd fucking do it. But, even though he's blocked like,
2: me I could I could live with that
3: yeah yeah you know it's probably a sign that Easy's a balanced individual you know?
2: <laughs> yes exactly I, I should <laughs> be blocked that shows he's got a bit of sense
3: mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I mean honestly just give it to CJ Stander you might as well like he's the most he's the person who most Passes the sight test as far as the future captain goes. And he's probably going to... And he is,
2: even when Levy's back, he's still going to be playing, isn't he?
3: And he's, and he's never worse than a six and a half out of ten. No. Like, he's always tidy enough. And he never he rarely does something stupid. And he's keeping it... He, I completely agree he's probably keeping it warm for James Ryan. But he's 28. So, like, yeah, let him have it for the, two or um, three years.
2: I think Arna struggled that second half because they couldn't. I mean, the lineout just completely fell apart. So they oh, just that's they, terrible! They couldn't keep hold of the ball, could they? Because when they did have the ball, every time Bundyaki got it, he caused fucking havoc. And I don't mean that in a really obvious way. I mean that that oh. defence, that what something Absolutely. like a defense to havoc. Yeah, yeah. Just, and splinters them just, just, and I mean splintered, like throwing a ball too hard at a bit of wood, <laughs> splinters it enough that it it breaks, you know, it breaks the structure yeah. of it, but it doesn't Bundy smash it to pieces. It breaks the structure of it, then you can Bundy go again. You know.
3: A unique player in that sense, in that he just he's such a like, even at test level, his the the, the angriness with which he runs and the power with which he runs, uh, such a short, like with very little start. He will just run into people and they will... Subtle form. changes of
2: directions as well. Just enough not, he, to put put him he, on a weak shoulder, yeah. you know.
3: He, know. he knows what to run at, and good Lord, he runs at it hard. <laughs> yes. And it's... I don't understand why Ireland aren't making him any much more of that, to be honest, because he's effectively, you know, Manu Tuolagi in terms of his ability to break a defensive line in that sort of fairly unique way that... He runs with power, and it. I just don't feel Ireland use it that well. They certainly did on the weekend. They
2: were me. in the first half.
3: That's true. He had, actually, he, had about, yeah. he had
2: about three or four carries, and even at the beginning of the second half, he put one in. And I thought, they just keep doing this; they're going to be fine because France will infringe. Because <laughs> they, and I don't mean that they were not <laughs> be. They just will. Well, yeah, they you know, they will.
3: Just, you have to make it. You know, and it wasn't uh,
2: the breakdown. They were. They were off. They were offside on the defensive line. I think that overeager Edwards' defense, which plays on the edge, and they're not. You know. Hmm. Yeah, so it's just um, yeah, an interesting one for Ireland. It's um, but I don't think they've Keenan was good. I think they're I still they like this still,
3: they're still a good team. Yeah, you know, in spite of all this, they had a bad game and they've got big problems. Well, for fifty-five
2: minutes, they were pretty good, even though they were three points behind at time, whatever it was. You know, I,
3: but I think that's the the problem with them is that for fifty-five minutes, with the setup that they got at the moment, they will be good. But then there will be a moment where things seem to go wrong, and a lot of it seems to down to kind of personnel and a sort of worrying if I'm wondering. <laughs> there's, a, there's quite a few players on that park that feel like they have a mistake in them. <laughs> you know? And it's poor. I mean, he's not a fucking fo- a fullback. Bless well, let me him, say this but... about Jacob Stockdale, right?
2: In nobody's definition, is he an international fullback now? No. Now, he's a talented be. lad, so I'm not saying he can't ever be one. I'm just not sure... If you should become an international fullback and in the full glare of international rugby, which sounds a silly thing to say, I don't know why. I know he has been he's been playing fullback a bit more at Ulster, hasn't he? I don't know why the IRFU aren't saying to to Ulster play him at fullback for the next twelve months.
3: I think they basically have. Have they? And I think that yeah, there's a a definite vibe that there's. He's there for you know, basically Farrell staked his reputation on it of just like he is going to be our fullback now. I wouldn't be and frightened
2: of chucking Keenan in there to be honest. He looks quite, either. he looks
3: a class out of that lad to be honest. Like, I think Stockdale, when Stockdale was in his pomp before he had a silly haircut and then a silly beard, <laughs> you know, he genuinely looked like one of the best young wingers in the world. And I don't, and I get Ireland have got a lot of good wingers but I just don't know why you'd fuck with that. It's exactly the same reason when they started fucking talking about moving George North to 13. It's like, well, when George North is fit and firing, George North's one of the best wingers in the world, yeah. why would you fuck with that?
2: Stop pretending that wing isn't a specific position that you need to be good at. There's a lot people yeah. like to say, well, he could have made those mistakes of not catching the ball on the wing. It's like, yeah, well, one, he probably wouldn't have been peppered as much. Two, no. the difference about with the wing is if you if you don't, if you don't hold the ball there, you have a, you the touchline as a defender. It's automatically you're not in, you're not losing the ball in positions that are more that that have a, a big open and blind side and stuff like that. I know it sounds like quite a strange thing, but it, it is different.
3: Yeah, exactly. And it's it's <laughs> I just I just don't understand it there's, there's got to be a better option and if he spends his whole game
2: him, thinking oh fucking hell they're going to kick the ball straight and out of the vibe he and then, that he then, he the then won't do what he really is capable of doing at fullback which is yeah. arriving at the line and doing all those things he's brilliant yeah. at
3: that's an attacking force he looks genuinely excellent coming from fullback because that's what happens when you give a winger loads of fucking time and space to pick their gap to run through but like yeah I just, how bizarre just, was, Henshaw's
2: just, was Henshaw's try by the way
3: one of the weirdest tries ever. It in looked like it ones that you used Nobody to score sh- at
2: high school. There was always one yeah, man at high school. He'd run. just, just runs diagonally. Run laterally across the slowly. line. Yeah. And the whole time is there, really people tackled going, him. run forward, run yeah. forward. And then, he just, and then he just went round the outside and scored. Very bizarre. Very bizarre. It's just a strange. Somebody get it banged. <laughs> he was going to run across the line, step out, and bang him. Yeah, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's that game. Yeah. We look forward to see what happens with France, and we look forward to Johnny Sexton not being captain anymore. But we'll yeah. see.
3: Yeah, and maybe that will make, make him a better 10 again. I think it probably will. Yeah. Uh,
2: what else you got, then? Well, England-Italy. Yeah. Italy I would go, be, if
3: I was Eddie Jones, right, I would be concerned at how easy it was for Italy to get under England's skin in a really noticeable way. Like it's Really odd, wasn't it? In, England got it, walked into that stadium under uh, no doubt in a million bajillion They've never lost to Italy. And they knew when they stepped on that field that nothing Italy was going to do at any point on Saturday was ultimately going to trouble that team. Mm. And they should know this. And yet all it took was Italy winning a couple of turnovers, forcing a couple of mistakes, and then celebrating them in a very over-the-top, overtly <laughs> England style. And all of a sudden, it's not just Tom Curry's hair that makes him look like a preppy bad guy in a high school movie. He was just losing his cool all over the gaff. He was just like... They're still oh, fuming the about team, that just... whole
2: fucking tackle thing from Twickenham, aren't they? Clearly, can't get over it.
3: <laughs> I think that was the thing. As soon as like they won a couple of turnovers, like there was this sort of weird fear that came that sort of bubbled up that they were not going to go quietly and all of a sudden they just they got it was like lads you were never in any any danger of not winning this game at a, with a bonus point there was no way on earth it wasn't going to happen it's funny because rugby's an
2: aggressive game isn't it and you have to but when you define your entire way of playing which involves whooping and clapping and being fucking fuming the whole time because <laughs> i'm sure they'd have achieved more if if somebody would just laughed at italy as they were throwing all the shit and just going look at the fucking yeah. scoreboard lads and this is going yeah. to get a lot worse for you, just, you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's bizarre it was so they, did what they needed to do i mean yeah Evans, they, he, job done you know ben young scored a couple it's against italy none of it counts really he played all no. right
3: he played all right you know it was fine. They kicked the ball a lot, and some people are criticising for that. But it's like that's 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 how you win against an inferior team. I'm fucking
2: loving another example of Garbisi's mad dummy and shit, though. Did you see that? Oh yes, it? oh yes. Who <laughs> was it? He completely sent downtown. Remember, was it? I can't
3: remember. But he, it, it, was it furbank clearly, It was something I think it really be, yeah. fucking through.
2: Just, just. Or was it one of the forwards? Either way, it was fucking brilliant. It was the most comedy. Um, honestly if if all
3: this guy's career is going to be is sort of I mean to be fair to him he looks the part he's 20
2: he's played about five senior games including two internationals
3: and he looks fine yeah but if that's his you know if all his thing is being a sort of perfectly decent test level outside off and then once again just throw in an outrageous dummy absolutely here for it (laughs)
2: yeah because they're not going to win Italy yeah you want something to look forward to when they play, don't
3: yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> <It's ten, laughs> oh, it's, <laughs> it's ten to dummy. Yeah, I, you know, I thought they played. You know, for with for a given value of well, they committed themselves to their task very well. Italy, they they got and they did exactly what they wanted to do, which is fucking stick it up them and ruffle a few feathers. And they, I think, they're quite right to be pleased about that. And they a, a twice. The
2: the caravan of Carlo Cannas competence uh, continues, doesn't it?
3: Continues on. I mean, is it, he the other the, the sort of other side of the great, great rugby comeback stories? Carlo <laughs> canna going from world's least convincing ten to perfectly acceptable ball playing twelve that they bafflingly run up, you know, crash ball for some reason quite often when there's absolutely no reason to. say that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they call it. They call they call a crash ball pop to him, and he's like, "Oh, seriously? Come on!"
3: <laughs> and he runs. To be fair to him, he runs hard, and he runs. But he's, I mean, he's not Jamie Roberts, is he? He's no. not Bundyaki. He's not. I mean, he's
2: he fucking not. gives it all, though, doesn't he? He fair really does.
3: He, he gives it his all, and I think that's. He also has to put up
2: with <laughs> fucking Garbisi throwing every kickoff to him under pressure by like, about <laughs> nine defenders. <laughs> What's that about? Because yeah, could quite clearly kick. It's yeah. so odd. It's like why are you he just doesn't
3: that? want to. It's got obvious it strategy thing. But I mean, yeah.
2: You ever want went through that period of playing Andrea Mazzi at ten and he couldn't oh, kick?
3: Lord, I do. <laughs> yes. and, and this is the thing that I genuinely think. You know, it's a people are talking. You know, and it's mainly casual fans that say this sort of shit about how Italy haven't improved and Italy are you know just as shit as they ever were. You know they're not they're they might still be losing heavily to most teams, but they are absolutely a much better team than they used to be, and they've got much more talented players than they used to be, and they've got you know their their club sides are decent now, you know it's Italian rugby is coming on just very slowly. We have to remember that they came into a tournament with the five oldest rugby playing nations in the world from a basically standing start 20 years ago. And they're always going to be playing catch-up from that regard.
2: The, um remember before the first game, the game against um, Ireland. The Wales game. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just going to say about Italy. The game oh, yeah, against yeah. Ireland last week when they, they interviewed Franco Smith before and said, um, we well, you been doing a lockdown then, he said, well, I've had the chance to reflect on... The playing staff we have and go all around the country looking at all the things we have available to us. And it's like, well, yeah, you're not fucking smiling, mate. I understand why (laughs) What
3: do you (laughs) do do with the other five and a half months of lockdown, mate? (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) I
2: found a 20-year-old fry half who started today. (laughs) Other than that, I had some nice food in a garage. (laughs) Uh,
3: And he has learned all about how they have... Pizza slightly different in different parts of Italy. So it wasn't totally a wasted trip, you know. I mean, no such thing
2: like... as Italian food, as Italians will tell you. Indeed. Because every region is different. And they all also, hate each other's food.
3: <laughs> I'm talking about the fact that anyone plays rugby in southern Italy. Come off it. Come on. What am I talking about? Uh, but yeah, you know, I I think that... I, would, I wouldn't bet. Against Italy beating Wales next year in the Six Nations, to be brutally honest with you, <laughs> I don't think we can reflect that as an accurate piece of analysis. The mood you're in, but yeah, it's uh, the.
2: <laughs> I do genuinely. Look, I looked at that game a half an hour of that game on Saturday, and I thought, you know what, this looks like they could do something in the next. I five agree. years. I completely. It won't. They'll still finish bottom. Not win the Six
3: Nations. They'll still finish bottom. They could most get a years, scalp or two.
2: But it won't be a kind of really depressing fucking couple of hours, which it has been too often. No, I think period.
3: the the sort of guaranteed Italy bonus point let's run up the score thing might not be as you know and that's progress as far as I'm concerned. You know, and as far as anyone should be concerned, that's the, them getting better incrementally is all we can really ask of them.
2: And there is no one else. So people yeah. stop talking <laughs> about this relegation yeah. thing. Georgia yeah. are fucking bobbins.
3: Yeah. Look what Scotland did to them last week. They are just
2: and, shite, you know. Yeah. They're entertaining enough at times, but they're just crap, you know.
3: Yeah, they have a good pack, although quite a few of those pa- that pack has now retired,
2: and they keep shooting each other.
1: Yeah, they, you, know,
3: it's, you know. if if South Africa want to join the Six Nations, there's a convers. Then there's, there's a, a conversation com- to be. There's had There's a
2: conversation to be had in Italy. Can I have a word,
3: please? Yeah. <laughs> look,
2: oh
3: shit! Look, yeah. you're out. I mean. <laughs> Which, but, you know, and that may well happen, but I think it's much more likely that it becomes the Seven Nations than Italy get fucking turfed out. Yeah. So, yeah, just let them just... I don't understand why teams of other nations that beat them every year complain that they're not very good. It's like, I can understand if you're an Italian fan going, well, for fuck's sake, we've been at this for 20 years and we're still getting battered. But they don't. They seem to understand that well, this is going to be a long term process.
2: Italy are the international rugby equivalent of our There's Always Next Year feature. 100%. And they keep fucking showing up and they keep getting stuck in, and the fans love it and they love being part of it. And it's actually, I think it is part of the fucking Six Nations yeah, experience. I
3: completely agree with that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm fed up of people doing Italy down all the time.
2: Quite right, too. This only happens as Minotzi's come in the team, though, is not it? 100%. He got fucking fairly well-tuned, didn't he? Minotzi,
3: Garbisi. Oh, fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we've got Minotzi and Garbisi, like... Lovely. uh, uh, How is it? They're not everyone's second team. They're adorable. I like that. um,
2: How old's Violi, that scrum? half. He looks pretty handy. He looks quite nice.
3: Yeah, yeah, he does. And, you know, it's... There's platform there. There's shoots of, you know, it's not fucking DuPont and don't get me wrong, but like there's a platform there for something interesting.
2: Well, he's 27, Violi. Fair do, yeah. he's be around another yeah. five years. If he's dead. Yeah, yeah,
3: easy. Anyway. If people, if people can talk about Will Rollins as being some sort of exciting <laughs> fucking player when he's 29 years old. Then, yeah. Which brings
2: us to, you've put it off long enough. Yeah. He's feeling fully uplifted.
3: Yeah. Oh, I it mean, turns out, right? Scotland were arguing for years about what kind of ten they needed. When in reality, they didn't need any ten. All they needed was a, all they needed is a pack of forwards. Yes. Like, all, all, all this Sc- story in the world. All those Scotland fans calling Gatland a cunt for trying out Stuart Hogg at ten for the Lions in 2013. Turns out, it was fucking right all along. Eh?
2: <laughs> Once another example of Gatland being right.
3: Here. Um, uh, other than that, Scott, I genuinely don't think Scotland were very good on the weekend. I don't want to sound bitter, but <laughs> I think Italy. I genuinely think Italy would have beaten that fucking mob. Uh, the Wales with, team. The, the, I'm i to even call them a Wales team, to be honest. But um, but they try. They contrived for the best part of seventy minutes to not make their obvious advantages count against a terrible team. But the difference is that in years past they'd have lost that game, but when the the second that they, when they had to close out that game, they just leaned on this really fucking good pack that they've got now, and they particularly won, they in the back in the of the back down row. All game, they were winning the breakdown game. Yeah, game. They were, were hunt, they were head and shoulders better than Wales in every facet of the game, and the only, the only part of the game that they really struggled with, and you know, fair play, the conditions were fucking wretched, they were but good, yeah. they didn't let their obvious dominance show up in the try chart. You know, if they'd have scored a couple of tries, they probably probably get scored thirty. they pro- almost certainly would have scored about 30, 40 points. As it was, it was tense enough that they had to dig in in the last 15 minutes. And they did so with such unfussed ease. And there was you something
2: know, kind of nuggety about it, which, 100%, I liked, yeah. which I liked, And I think, And I think that's what they've needed, that point about. And, you know... In that, in that weather when you need your 10 to run the game for you then you lose fucking both of them and then you've got to put Hogg in there and then and to be fair Ali Price stepped right up Ali
3: Price honestly was fucking brilliant honestly like, that
2: last 20 minutes was one of the it was just brilliant he yeah. was like right, I'm taking charge of this now
3: 100% he spent the entire last 20 minutes shouting at his forwards and yeah. and then hitting
2: was, those lovely angled driven kicks
3: and said yeah. play from there then yeah Ke- Kept putting them back inside the twenty-two, and it was exactly yeah. what it needed. And the the remarkable thing about this Scottish pack is, it's not dramatically different to the one that they have had for the last three or four years. And the bench is in different. Terms of though, the bench, the bench, bench different. made
2: such a difference when it came on. It was like it just everything. It, I'm not saying they got better, but the likes of Kebble yeah. coming on, McAnally coming on.
3: Well, it just shows. It it demonstrates that. They, you know, particularly with the likes of Kev, as we've said in the past, there's no better union in the world than the SIU <laughs> identifying sort of talent that they could poach yeah. from other nations and bringing them in. And, and that's and not done with Saint Prey. That's fucking it's brilliant. It's not. They yeah. genuinely are the best. You look at the player, you know, Duran coming in, you know, coming off the bench and bringing a that physical, well. yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, totally different physical proposition to what Wales had had to deal with for the first 60-odd minutes. And that's, yeah, that's entirely to the SIU's credit. I think it's incredibly admirable what they do, and entirely sensible. And to be honest with you, it fucking boils my piss that Wales, since Granny Gate, have basically been terrified of doing the same. And don't go looking for these players that can help the team. You know, when you've got such a small player pool, that's what you have to do, and they do it better than anybody else.
2: And then I just think that, Well, if Scotland play with their forwards and with Ali Price, Mm -hmm. like they did that last 20, 30 minutes of that game, and then add on the other stuff they could do when everyone's still whole and on the field. Mm. And you are maybe bringing Van der Merwer in as well onto the wing. That's just going to be, that's a really decent prospect. Actually, I'm fairly... I'm not quite as depressed about Wales as you are, so. But looking at looking at next year, oh, we'll, assuming we'll come the world to, we'll next year's that. next next year's um, tournament, which I think starts in about three weeks, the the yes it does. But it, you know when that starts, there's generally some like everything you've just said about Italy, Ireland under Farrell should get a little bit. It'll keep going. England have got an interesting couple of years coming up with some of the young people there, young players they're bringing through. Mm. Scotland looking like I think it's going to be a really exciting two or three years, really.
3: I think yeah. You don't absolute... think that, obviously,
2: because you think you to no. watch Wales lose for the next three years.
3: Well, right? Yeah, I absolutely am. Yeah, Wales are going <laughs> to be the worst team in the Six Nations next year. I fucking guarantee it. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's no reason. I feel like we've been saying this for the last two or three years, unfortunately. Um, but I do think that Scotland are learning how to win in the same way that we were talking about France learning how to win, but in a, you know from a less kind of advanced situation you know they're in a less advanced position than France are but I think that there's absolutely a a situation that you can look at the table next year and they're definitely duking it out for with England and France at the top of it I don't see why not mm. they've got the pack for it if they can keep it. it's always the <laughs> I, I, I'm loath to even say it because Scotland fans fucking wince when I do but it's just a case of keeping everybody fit you know They've had such bad luck with their forwards getting injured over the last four or five years. And this year, you know, was the first year where broadly most people have been fit most of the time. Mm. And it's made a fucking massive difference. It really has.
2: And there's nothing you do about people getting injured, is there?
3: No, you've got, a, at least... you've got to develop depth. And that is, you know, with Scotland's small player base and only having two pro teams, that's always going to be a problem in terms of, of depth. But it is getting better.
2: With that squad stays as it is that we played on Saturday, when it's not fucking blowing a gale, then uh, and pissing it down, then.
3: But that's how they, that's how where they'll how they'll play all of their home games. So it's good that they managed to kind of. <laughs> I think the way they kept banging on
2: about the fucking conditions, like nobody had seen Northern Europe in October before. <laughs> it was like Jesus Christ! It was like, come on,
3: can yeah, we get it? It's a bit blowy and windy. There was no excuse for how bad both teams played. <laughs> Yeah. Gen- Gen- genuinely like I get it the wind's swirling a bit you've all played in conditions where the wind has swirled how can nobody throw a fucking line out
2: playing, I don't think I don't think you can dis- I don't think, I wouldn't describe Scotland as having played badly actually I think it was stuttering and I do think they lost the two you, you, They lost two tens and had to improvise yeah. it you know so I've got more sympathy for that but speaking of playing badly come on let's unload the full mother load and I can oh, tell you it's not that bad and you won't believe me and we can move on
3: well, it is that bad because Wayne Pivak doesn't understand how to coach a test team. And I, at this rate, I don't think he's, he might be out of a job before he understands it. Because <laughs> I, I genuinely think, right, not counting the shit experimental games against Samoa in the autumn where Warren Gatlin would throw a team of total strangers and rookies out there, right, I genuinely think that's probably the worst Wales performance in 20 years. I think that's... Sort of 2003 era level bad, or era well, pre 2003 era level bad. Yeah, where did you bad. get
2: absolutely spanked in Dublin? Was that 2016?
3: Ah, yeah, maybe that one. Uh, that was. I still think that was a better performance than this. <laughs> I've never <laughs> okay. seen a game where literally every single facet of the game was shit when it was a full Didn't strength friend team. Friend
2: of the pod, Sam Lana, points out that. The two was it Minotti and somebody else for Italy carried for more meters than all of the Welsh team yeah. put together,
3: and like they ca- they carried for under two hundred meters as a team, <laughs> and you know it's People can talk about how the defense was better, and it was, but that was mainly seen to be down to having a somebody playing twelve who isn't, as previously discussed, a constant ball of chaotic energy, whether on attack or defense. And the fact that Scotland did attack were broadly quite shit because they lost both of their fly-offs. Like, every time Scotland managed to get the ball out into those wide channels again, you know, it was only bad execution on Scotland's part that it didn't end up in a couple of tries. Can we
2: just add the caveat to all this that we have to add to everything? Asterisk, except Taolupe.
3: Well, obviously, he was proper fucking Sergio level. Fuck it, I'll do it myself was on the weekend. A shining light he, of confidence. He looked to his left and his right game. on the back row, and he said, "Well, there's a child to my left, and there is a man that has no business playing international rugby on my right." <laughs> So, well, I guess I'll just have to uh, honestly, every facet of the game was an imba- like not just bad. I thought but Shane embarrassing. Lewis had a pretty decent game. Like he was really, in the, like, he was that, the only bright spark in that He, 20 he odd was tackles. really amongst he was, it. He and, was yeah. as advertised as a yeah. blood <laughs> yeah. If you if you what you want in a blood you know, Maybe that it's changed, but what I want in my blindside flanker is to go out there and tackle every fucking thing that moves and hit every ruck. Yeah, and, and fair play yeah. to him, he did that.
2: Just get amongst it, Shane. <laughs> See you in <laughs> 80 minutes. He yeah. did,
3: yeah. Um, but, you know, it was the most anemic, pathetic Wales performance this generation, certainly this generation of players, has ever turned out. Like the What is breakdown... Shane Davis
2: doing starting an international game of rugby, though? I mean, I Honestly, like him,
3: you know what I mean? But really. He's, a fu- he's fun, but... In this, he's fun. If you're, you know, having a fucking. He's fun if you don't
2: know anything about rugby.
3: Well, he's fun. Yeah, he's fun in the sense that he's a character. And he's somebody in the, sense... in
2: the pub will. Do you remember when for years people say, "I tell you, you, should have been manager of the England football team." Who? <laughs> Ryan Clough. Oh, you do fucking surprise me. Do you know what I mean? There's a... <laughs> so you... there's it, that kind a bit of like energy. That, yeah. There's that energy. Our two should be starting for Wales. James Davis, fuck off. No. Get away
3: from me. <laughs> James Davis is fun in the sense that a he's a character and b he can yeah. be fun if you a put him in the sevens then he, and 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 also get him in a lot better physical condition than he is at the moment. Is that um, as well, yeah. And honestly, for all of the talk about Wales's impressive fucking back row depth, Jesus Christ, the fact that we were <laughs> one, you know, one Justin Tipperick getting a tonsillitis away from this. <laughs> Is a, just a like, but like I'm not, I'm not an analysis guy, right? But like I honestly think that, like, Pivac is trying to execute a, a game plan with Wales that they simply do not have the personnel for, right? Like, even I can see, right, that the way Wales's forwards are lining up now is different to what Gatland did, hmm. right? And I, I'm not opposed to it, because Gatland generally just had his forwards just hang around quite close to the breakdown and then run round the corner for eighty minutes, and it was quite dull to watch. Like yeah. none of us, none of us particularly. Sometimes did
2: that. that under the post on attack.
3: Yeah, and then gave a penalty <laughs> yeah. away. You know? Yeah, quite often. But that's not automatic. Mean. You know,
2: it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. That's
1: no,
3: right. they, their job was basically carrying round the corner to suck in defenders, and then a big back, <laughs> be it a twelve or a winger, would smash it over the gain line. But the reality is that Gatlin's Wales played like that because Wales haven't developed an explosive forward ball carrier since Scott Quinnell. And tell me I'm wrong there.
2: No, it's just, yeah, actually. Because, I mean, the, the kind of big...
3: A proper dynamic Billy polar yeah. fucking Because explosive... Saloupe doesn't do that. Taroopa's got Tolupa's
2: a lovely is, footwork and he'll get yeah. you over the game line, but he's not that. Yeah, give it in. I'll yeah. Ross Moriarty people.
3: is a good carrier. He's not mm, that. Yeah. Ken Owens is a good carrier. He's not that. Josh Navidi is a good carrier. He's not that. There's no Hamish Watson. There's no Billy Vinopola. There's no fucking, there's no big lads. And it's a weird thing. But Wales have had fucking Alex Cuthbert and George North and Jamie Roberts and Jonathan Davis. And so Gatland went, well, we'll just get the fucking backs to carry over the game line then because <laughs> they're the big lads. But PIVAC's system clearly requires loads of big physical forwards to be the dudes. And you got to look at his Skywats teams, and it was like Ken Owens, Rob Evans, Tug Byrne, John Barkley, Aaron Shingler when he was not broken. <laughs> like These were the big lads that they'd require at club level to get over the line and create the platform. But if your carriers aren't powering over the gain line, it's a hell of a lot of fucking harder to get over the gain line at test level, by the way then the forwards are so fucking spread out and you could see it on Saturday. Everyone just gets isolated because there's like there's forwards hanging around on the wing instead of trying to fucking support the man that's just run up a blind alley and not got over the gain line.
2: And there's a permanent hole in the mid- middle of the defence at all time. Well, of course it's there so is,
3: bizarre. yeah. It's so bizarre. But like... Like, the defence is a bit
2: better this week. Defense, well, I think,
3: and that was mainly because Scotland didn't do it. But like for the last first few Wales games, right, it wasn't that obvious how badly Wales were playing the breakdown. Because they had Ken fit, they had Josh Navidi fit, and Ross Moriarty was fit. And those three between them can provide you with some semblance of a front football mm. from the pack. It's not brilliant, but it's enough. And it also really helped that Justin Tipperich is basically capable of being omnipotent on the rugby field and will be at every breakdown causing havoc regardless of where it is because he's a superhuman freak of a fucking rugby player. You take him out on Saturday and all of a sudden somebody isn't instantly arriving at every single breakdown to fucking Mm. clean out the tackle. And then instantly, you know, we got, got something like eight or nine turnovers that were penalty eight or nine penalties on the attack. And it was all the same. It was just, player runs up Blind Alley, the support doesn't get there in time, Jamie Ritchie or Hamish Watson just goes, I'll have the ball then, see you later.
2: I mean, it was uh, it was awful. It was I mean, truly appalled. It wasn't a great game of rugby at all, but they no, were was... particularly awful. And um, I think more than anything, I, you, I just keep coming away from all these games going, you've just done quite a nice piece of, trying don't understand what it is they're trying to do, but I keep coming away thinking, I don't know what they're doing. But then again, I don't think... For a start, Wait. it's 12 months after, it's the 12 months after a World Cup when Wales kind of dragged themselves to a semi-final through sheer force of will and, and experience and Gatland.
3: A good system. A good well. system. a system there's... that maximised what they had.
2: But is it, there's a change in the system. It's, it's five or six games, really, in a fucking mad old year. With the least, you know, of all the teams that are doing this, apart from Italy, which is a different califical altogether, the least amount of continuity, really, I would say.
3: But then you look at every; they've had not a single player retire. That squad has basically been the same, if not better, than the one that Gatland took to a World Cup semi-final. And I just, I thought it was really interesting when because they had Ken on in the studio on Saturday. And I thought and it was interesting that he noted at half-time that he felt like the players were defaulting to doing the Gatland stuff when shit got fucking difficult. And that's
2: difficult, isn't it? And in a way, that's what I mean. It is the kind of, it's going to take, you know, they've had five or six games, and I think, but it also, there's two ways you can look at that. They're either not getting it enough, or when the shit hits the fan, they go all uh, Matt Dawson, Graham Henry, the 2001 Lions tour and go, I don't trust what you're telling me. So I won't
3: do it. And I feel like it's the latter. I think a player knows, you know, players are not stupid, modern players. They've watched enough fucking video to know when something is going to work and when something ain't. And if you tell them to, you know, that they need to create this sort of fucking fancy pod system with fucking loose forwards hanging around on the wing and... And they're looking around the room and going, who the fuck's going to get the ball over the game line? You know, Alan Wynne-Jones knows that that's not going to fucking work. Ken knows that's not going to work. Dan Bigger knows that's not going to work. And so they try it for a bit and then it doesn't work. And I, I noticed that that one bit of the game where they looked vaguely competent, which was the last sort of 15 minutes of the first half, was when they basically just did what they would have done on the Gatland. And they kicked to compete and they ran it round the corner and they scored a try. And, you know, obviously, that's it's not going to... Well,
2: I mean, in 12 months' time, you might sit there and go, I told you. I just don't think... I I think five, five, six games into a new regime on the back of a World Cup, I would be less doom-laden.
3: I just think there's no... I, I would having feel that way that, if there were any, if there any evidence that what he was trying to do was working?
2: i Have said that? And there isn't. We won a World Cup and we're shit for a decade. And yeah. I thought it, kept going, it was going to get better and it never did. Yeah, really, and so. I don't think,
3: you, the reality is, um, what you needed was, you know, Warren Gatland is a master at making the best of what you have and creating a system that maximizes talent. Eddie Jones is also fucking brilliant. At this it is arguably his key skill. Is looking at what he has and going I can make a system that works with this mm. and what I'm seeing from Pivac is I have a system and I will make you work in this system and, and the, gee, that is the worst that is, well, that's a very good way to be out of a job at Test Rugby
2: is that you can sign players to work for your system exactly you can't do that they, it's not a level, can you? you
3: know at the Scarlets they signed John Barkley they signed Tag Burn. you know they didn't have those players in Wales and so they signed them. And, and what a surprise they were forwards. You know, it's... Uh, uh, the thing that really worries me more as much as anything else, aside from the ship performance, was that the, the fact that the lack of crowd noise on the BBC broadcast meant that you could hear the players fucking arguing with each other <laughs> and shouting at each other and looking... Like, obviously, we never had a silent game under Warren Gatland, but... I never saw the Wales players openly arguing like that, under Gatland, and looking at, just not looking like a happy camp at all. And that that, as much as anything, concerns me because it's like Wales did. It wasn't like, like you said. It was not all fucking sunshine and rainbows under Gatland. They had some genuinely historic losing runs, and yet they never looked like this. They never looked. They were never bickering amongst themselves and angry and throwing blame around and that's that's as mu- almost as much as anything else concerns me because it's like well fucking hell if we're less than a year into this and you're already trying to play the blame game as to who's responsible for this complete clusterfuck how is that gonna be you know josh adams was like oh yeah we'll all pull together you know we'll we was we, st- i don't believe him <laughs> It does not look like a squad that's pulling together at the moment. And yeah, that is... Wynn was
2: fairly honest at the end as he always is, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah.
3: And, and you know, the, the, the term coach killer, like if your squad is fucking at war with one another because they don't like what you're doing, or some of them do and some of them don't, then, I mean, there's only one way that's going to fucking go. And it's not like he's got an easy run, is it? Straight into the Autumn awesome Nations Cup now, Georgia's the only winnable game there, really, the way that things are going not going to win in Dublin, not going to beat England. And then Six Nations, where you've got trips to Edinburgh, Paris and Rome, and Ireland and England in Cardiff.
2: Right, I'm drawing that, this to a close. close. That
3: two-year that two-year break clause is going to look like the smartest bit of contract foresight the WIU has ever done. We shall see. But well, yes, it yeah. was
2: pretty fucking abysmal on Saturday. Congratulations be- to England, by the way. Oh, yeah. I don't think even they were that asked.
3: No, they genuinely knew. No. I Owen mean, Farrell
2: it's, was on the video link after. He was just like, yeah, yeah, And then they were getting the trophy at some like posh club in London the day after behind closed doors. It was like, this is
3: just the most fitting the, way for this to They still day. had the pyrotechnics and it just looked awful. Oh, that's hilarious. It was it? embarrassing. Honestly, the worst Six Nations.
2: Uh, so, let's move on to shit good because we've been at this for donkeys. Yeah. Let's like, start with shit. Let's get this out of the way. Brian Moore making a joke oh. about bulimia, which was fucking ridiculous, but it was obviously one of those brain fart moments. He's since apologised.
3: Yeah, and it's the thing. Like, it's, right, People rightly called him out for it, and then he just put his hands up and went, yeah, I shouldn't have said that, and let all of us who've never said something fucking stupid in the <laughs> service of trying to be funny throw the first stone, And then... Everybody, you know, what a surprise, the woke fucking pitchfork mob just went, all right.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, appreciate not.
3: it. People are like quite nice and compassionate and understanding if you own up to being fucking shit and fucking up. It's funny that, anyway. People always
2: go mad about snowflakes well. Well, let's not forget that 1.6 million people in Britain have eating disorders of some description. Exactly. And also disordered eating in pro and amateur athletes is a particular problem.
3: Yeah, it's it's not a funny thing to be joking about, so, especially as jokes about these sort of things can be, you know, psychologically impactful. But and so it's right that he apologised. You know, both
2: Beat and Mind Online do offer lots of support if anybody out there should need it. Mm-hmm. It is there because it is a thing, and it shouldn't be joked about. But he's apologised. Indeed. Moving on, and to the bloke that said that that'd give us an hour of stuff to talk about. That took a lot less than a fucking hour, <laughs> dickhead. <so. laughs>
3: yeah funny that isn't it yeah uh,
2: what else have we got this shit here John Dunn gets in touch he said mm. shit was the island line out without the presence of the screaming skull
3: yes <laughs> it's very there's true. the answer You're, there's your you answer you remove a very very tall man from the equation <laughs> and the wheels just come the fuck <laughs> off don't they uh, you got any shit uh, I got a couple uh, Jonathan Joseph because I honestly genuinely forgot he was playing until I checked the team sheet after the match <laughs> I genuinely forgot he was on the field. I don't think I heard his name mentioned for I did once. that with
2: James Lang for Scotland and I was covering the game. And then I watched a bit of the game back was like, he's actually done really well here. He's actually played well. It was the <laughs> archetypal 12 performance that was like really like the glue that nobody notices. It was
3: great. Yeah, well, I don't think Jonathan Joseph. I just think he no. just didn't. The ball barely got past Farrell. Yeah. And also it just, and it certainly didn't get past. It It, it was just, He's just, I completely forgot. I mean, maybe I'm the shit. Just not <laughs> that can't be true, play. Josh.
1: I don't believe that's the case.
2: <laughs> um, Aled Price gets in touch on the Patreon messaging, and he says, Hello. I've binned off Twitter because it's a cesspit, he says. All right, fair enough, Alan. He says, I'm not sure the pod's going on tonight. It is. He said, or oh, mm-hmm. not, but I felt compelled to share my shit for the week. Commentary and punditry is so bad everywhere. This was particularly was inspired so by bad. Jiffy this weekend. He came out with such classics as "I don't think that's high," but he has grabbed him round the neck mm. and blaming the wind for the lineouts, despite the ball coming out of Elias's hands at a right angle. That was uh, <laughs> at least three it, of those from Scotland naves. as well were diagonally thrown. It's like yeah, that's it not was the just wind. <laughs>
3: bad hooking. Let, yes. Let's just call it what it was. It was yes. a fucking atrocious. When he was blaming the wind, when they were happening like thirty seconds apart on different sides of the field. <laughs> And Swirling. the ball was somehow going the wrong way, though in different directions. And Andrew Carter constantly, like...
2: constantly referred to people, people to the clouds. <laughs> 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 but look at the way the clouds are moving. Nobody cares about the clouds, Andrew. We can't see the clouds. Uh... It reminds me of that. Have you seen the Madness of King George, the film? Yes. When, the, when, when there's that one doctor who's obsessed with the fact that he keeps having like normal shits, <laughs> and the, the senior physician sort of says. Listen, what are you going to learn that a man can still pass a solid stool and still be a stranger to reason?
3: <laughs> <laughs> speaking of shit hookers, actually, um, shit and hookers, I should say. Uh, Fraser Brown injuring himself while attempting the world's most pointless body check. If Wales had been like 3% more competent, that could have well cost Scotland a game. And Stuart
2: McInally was very lucky, speaking of hookers as well. Yeah. Wasn't he? Because he ran in like shoulder first into the scrum half, but he only did that because he bounced off the bloke he was trying to charge. Trying
3: to charge do an so he basically ran like a torpedo
2: six inches off yeah. the ground, bounced upwards and smashed into Gareth Davis. <laughs> and then they just said, just a penalty That It's like, what? I don't
3: know. Yeah. There was a, I mean, Andrew Brace is a fucking shit ref, and he always is, so... Yeah, I as I said, he's that. got a
2: face like an incompetent but vindictive district attorney, Andrew Breath.
3: <laughs> and that's exactly how he referees the game as well. <laughs> incompetent but vindictive. What else have we got here? This shit.
2: Matt Herbert gets in touch. This shit is Super League rejecting Toronto Wolfpack's admission for next season. Rugby league, we're talking now. I, I live know. in Toronto. So I was excited to see Sonny Bill Williams playing here next year, but that dream is dead. It's a shame because they were getting 10k watching. Fair dues.
3: Wasn't it because the new owner basically has gone, I'll bankroll it? And then they've gone, let's have a look at your financial plan. And he's basically handed them a fucking cocktail napkin with <laughs> yes. fucking underpants gnomes written on it. <laughs> my word is my bond. Yeah. Evan Quick says that
2: shit is Wales's defence again. Almost yeah. better this week, Evan. But yeah, he's, he's, and also, the shit, ne- he said also shit is the Netflix film Who Be Halloween with Adam Sandler. I can Sandler. believe it. Adam Sandler. An hour and a half, I'll never get back. I mean, what is he doing now, Adam Sandler, man? I mean, you know, it was, never, it was always hit and miss, wasn't it? But then but Adam just...
3: Sandler had that film, what is it, like Uncut Gems, where he was like a oh, proper yeah, serious was, yeah. actor and everybody said, he, I haven't watched it, everyone said he was excellent. And then, but he's still doing Adam Sandler things. Yeah.
2: Weird. we got the shit here. Gary Ock says, shit is Stockdale rivalling Huger for the worst choice at fullback. And like, oh, it's not that, oh, bad. He's not that bad. Oh, come, come on, on now. He understands he did, basic position. Yeah, he did seem to know where to stand, at least. Yeah. I mean, Stuart Pavick gets in touch. He said, shit is the people of Clinetley have clearly angered the rugby gods, and we got the worst 160 minutes of rugby we've ever seen in two days. <laughs>
3: There are people claiming that Edinburgh 6, Scarlet's 3 was a good game.
2: Edinburgh Rugby said that, and he's a very don't reasonable and sensible man. I didn't see the game. Be- I'm sorry, sorry, I
3: don't believe you.
2: <laughs> I didn't see the game. But I have met him, actually, and he's a nice and sensible man. So I've got no I've reason heard to reason to
3: doubt P- it. A lot of people who are saying it was actually a good game were Edinburgh fans, who I think were just <laughs> enjoying watching them. But I've spoken to a couple of neutrals, and it, I don't think it was as good a game as you're making out.
2: Phil Carlton gets in touch. He says, shit is everything, literally everything, apart <laughs> from France. I hope you're okay, yeah. Phil. Don't worry about it, mate. I know it's locked down and all that.
3: Yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think and many of our listeners and maybe some of our hosts would sympathize, but, you know, it'll be all right.
2: Phil Lewis says, shit, I'm sorry. He says, I know Josh has probably covered a deep dive this, but Wales... From fourth oh, in the yeah. world to an aimless, hapless, impotent rugby. All right, I can't, I can't do this again. It's not that bad. It's a fucking moaning. Anyway, C McSporty gets in touch and he said, "Shit is Andy Farrell picking a winger at fullback against France." He said, "But good." Oh shit, don't know. Was Sexton throwing a hissy fit when he'd been taken off? Even better that he looked up at the big stream, big screen, and saw himself doing it and continued anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even ashamed. Good man. You got any more shit for me? Move on to good.
3: Uh, Rhys Carey. I know he's sort a try and everything, but he is, being, is, he? he is being picked because Pivak wants a big four, big carriers yeah. in the pack. And he's 22 and he just looks it like he's not being a dominant carrier at test level and he just needs to look like he needs to start for Cardiff every week for a couple of years. And Wales are not short of decent loose heads these days. And he's Rob not Evans, that good in a loose head either. No, uh, you know, it's like... Nicky Smith, Rob Evans, Wyn Jones. Is well, Rob th- Evans injured? I assume so. He usually is. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think he. I don't, did he actually start on the Scarlets? Is Samson again? injured again? Uh, yes, yeah, Samson was HIA in. Okay. Um, but you speaking,
2: know, speaking. I mean, speaking about that, Brian Moore joke. To be fair, I mean, how much of a clack was Healy have taken to start spewing up? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he'd been um, really badly winded or something, because he was holding, but it seems like he took, he took a twat on the head, didn't he? Was that?
3: Oh, fuck me. I didn't realise that was... Then he that. went off
2: for an HIA and came back on, so he must have passed it, but obviously that can't Yeesh. be good, could it?
3: Yeah, Rob Evans played for the Scarlet's last night. Um, Has so he not he not been selected again? Basically, no. he's been ignored, which... Ugh. I despise, because I think he's one of the most talented Lucet oh, like props yeah. I've seen in Carries the years. Carries a ball well as well, weirdly. Yeah. And handles well. Big big ball carrier, lovely set of hands, decent scrummager. Like, and yet, for some reason, we're, throw, we're basically just ruining Rhys Carey by making him start for Wales every week when he's not ready.
2: Let's move on to good, shall we? Mm, let's. We've covered a lot of it already. But uh, have you got anything particular for good?
3: Uh, I've mentioned him earlier, but Jamie Ritchie, honestly, like yes. the biggest difference between Scotland last year and Scotland now is that he has just come on fucking leaps and bounds as a player this, in the last twelve months, and he genuinely, you know, he's absolutely the sort of player that Scotland have been missing, mm. and and he makes a huge difference.
2: Ian, what a lot of there's a lot of good catharsis from Scot the Scottish listenership coming out this week. Ian Wallace says. Good was Scotland's outstanding defensive performance against Wales. I mean, Wales ran for 191 metres, Ian. Calm yourself down. But yeah, it was a decent defensive performance. He said, shit, it's Muppets moaning about individual performances in the team after we've got our first away win in Wales for 18 years. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Ian.
3: Oh, God, yeah.
2: Ian McGilp says, good, when you're watching Wales versus Scotland, your team's on the attack, and despite being less interesting than a late-night Open University lecturer you realise your heart's still pumping like mad. Yes, there's no crowds, but it's great to have Six Nations rugby back. Fair dues, Ian. Yeah, I suppose. Graeme Golding <laughs> gets in touch. <laughs> <laughs> Graham Golding gets in touch. He says, good, Jamie Ritchie. For ages, our pack has been described as too nice, especially by a certain Welshman of the pod. Yes. He's right, though, Graham. Um Ritchie's enabled full beast bastard mode, and it was sensational. Yep, need to carry mm. that forward. 100%. Ken Seaton says good was Stad Rochelle's prop Leo Leo Oof, swan diving to score against. I Pearl. really enjoyed that beautiful yeah. picture. That isn't it. He's what six foot off the ground diving Easy. in beautiful.
3: Serious yeah. Imagine how much that must have hurt when
2: he. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking C one thirty Hercules. <laughs> Uh, Callum Robertson gets in touch. He says, "Good is Scotland's last ten minutes. Smart, disciplined, patient, and completely unprecedented." Yes, it is a little <laughs> bit unprecedented. It was good to see though. Angus Savage said his good was Johnny Hill's October. Yes, he has had a good month. Johnny Hill, yeah. hasn't he? He's a shit bag, isn't he, in the yeah. best possible English second row way, he's an absolute shit bag. Him and I told you if they keep that partnership, well, I think he's come
3: yeah. along at exactly the right time. In that yeah. it's you know, with Cruis moving on and sort of and Laws getting injured, it's like he 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 has the chance to keep that shirt for a long time.
2: Stu gets in touch, Vader's Jester, he says, Good is Jamie Ritchie, yeah. Uh Alex gets it up, he says, Good is Jake Paledri, the natural successor to Sergio Parisi's fuck it, I'll do it myself, including getting binned and everything.
3: Yeah, yeah. he was everywhere. And was being a fucking prick to everyone. (laughs) Which.
2: Here for it, as the young people say. (laughs) Ian Ian Wheeler says, good was Andrew Cotter saying, Andrew Cotter's steadying finger from a teammate line was (laughs) (laughs) good. the most memorable moment in Wales versus Scotland. Andy and Brum says, good was France. These guys can keep... If these guys can keep semi-sane during games, they'll be unstoppable in a few years' time. Yep. Patricia, friend of the pod, says, Good, remain Antimax hair. It's been remarked on before, but there's no, no harm in raising it again. I don't claim to understand how it's always so perfect, but it is.
3: <laughs> Honestly, it's one of the most remarkable things in sport, I think.
2: He, does, he, doesn't, he just... never gets dirty and never sweats, and his hair is always perfect. It's <laughs> glorious.
3: It's like he's got some sort of like sort of shield around himself.
2: It's like he plays in bullet time. (laughs) Uh, Sam Ashworth says, as good as England winning the six nations, but shit is not really feeling like it because I can't remember any games from before the lockdown. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, neither can the fucking nominating committee of the player of the tournament fucking panel, I don't think either. (laughs) Any good from you to finish off?
3: Uh, I genuinely, Olivon getting uh the try fucking most scores try scored in the tournament award, which when was the last time a forward maybe that says more about the fucking shitness of this year's tournament, but I Could still be. think for a for a flanker to be the top try scorer. Did Vonopolis
2: score a few? I don't think he's been top scorer, but he scored a few, not this year, but he scored yeah. a few a couple of years ago. To
3: actually physically top the tri scoring chance is uh
2: uh, yeah, fair play. I bet you the last forward for France who topped their try scoring charts was Olivier Magna and that'll be a beautiful <laughs> bookend for how I see Charles Olivon because he is basically like a bigger, more frightening version of Olivier Magna.
3: Completely agree.
2: And that'll be us, I think, won't it?
3: I think so, yeah. I mean, unless you want me to talk more about how much I despise <laughs> Wayne Pivac's Wales. but You probably don't want me to do that.
2: Well, I think there'll be enough opportunity over the next 12 months, one way or another. So.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's face it, we have, have, uh, you know, an Autumn Nations Cup's worth of me talking about this. So look forward to that, fellas.
2: Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Josh. We sail forward into the Autumn Internationals, as you just said. We sail forward into the fucking domestic rugby starting again in England Mm -hmm. in about a week or something. Pro fourteen has been on tonight. How did the How did the zebra game finish before we finished?
3: Uh, it finished. Uh, I think it was twenty seventeen or twenty three seventeen to zebra in the end, uh, and the ospreys got uh, quite harshly denied a winning try at the death with a very 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 flat forward pass being given by an Italian TMO. Good job, that shit never happens in the in any in the pro 14 on the reg, is it?
2: It's absolutely bang on with your vibe tonight though. That's oh, how this yeah. has ended. So we'll see you soon, everybody. Ta-da.
3: Bye.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: plus.